0: Welcome back to Metal Beer and Bullshit. Grab a beer, grab a seat, and enjoy some metal beer and steaming piles of bullshit.
1: Welcome, metalheads, beer drinkers, and bullshitters. I'm BN. I'm Sean. I'm Juan. And today we have one of our one of our favorite guests that we had back in 2018. One of our one favorite,
0: of our one of our first
1: guests, yeah. actually. One of our favorite bands. Um, I've known this guy forever and a day. So uh, I just want to introduce you all to the one, the only King Foley from Deceased.
2: Hello, hi, it is uh, good to be here again, guys, fucking always, always a pleasure to shoot the shit with anybody about anything, man. Me and my hamster Cuckoo will be making a special appearance today, but I don't think she talks. oh Damn it!
0: Well, if you squeeze her hard enough, she'll. Yeah, noise. yeah,
2: right. That's what it comes down to, right? Yeah, she probably squeezed me out. She's a damn, she's a damn big hamster. It's the people like, is that a goddamn fucking guinea pig? I'm like, that's a fucking hamster. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 what I'm doing on the uh the the, the high noon Sunday here, you know, with all the snow and all that bullshit. It's it's passing, but it's like ice castles and shit, as I was telling you. But anyway, it's great to be back on here, guys. Definitely, thanks for having. Me.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad that we're doing this on the phone because that continues in my streak of actually seeing your collection in person, and John hasn't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I thought you shouldn't have to look at my face. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you, you have that Kiss pinball machine that, you know, somehow or another, if I'm at your house, I'm going to fit it up my shirt and take it with me.
2: <laughs> That's my, that was, that was my kitchen table for the last five years. We just actually moved it into the living room. Now it was actually took, the, it was our kitchen table. We didn't eat off it or anything, but it was taking the spot of our kitchen table. So we moved, we moved, a, we moved a table into there and we brought this into the living room. I used to have two pinball machines in my living room, Matt and a Charlie's Angels. I ended up selling the Charlie's Angels to a guy because uh, the, the, the headstock on it, the paint was completely fallen off and look like they all had the fucking measles and and it, it was really no they said to touch it up it would be more worth more than to, to touch it up properly would cost more than if i literally went back on ebay and found one that had been fixed already you know Jeez. so it was crazy so i just yeah it had like some weird transistor somebody tried to like you know jiggy rig it to like so it didn't suck up so much power when you plugged it in the wall i got it for 300 bucks at a laundry mat in baltimore in the 90s early 90s Holy shit. How does that come about? It was weird. This guy's like, yeah, you love Charlie's Angels, right? I'm like, yeah, there's a already man up here. And the guy's got Charlie's Angels. He goes, I don't think he wants it. I think it's not even plugged in. So I called it. And the guy said, yeah, 300 bucks, come up here and take it out of here. So I went up there and, and uh, uh, we had this truck, but it was, it was, it was a smaller truck and we had to like, literally had this, uh, I always wanted Charlie's angels on top of me, but I didn't know it was going to be like that. So I'm like, <laughs> so I'm literally driving home. It was less our bass player. And he was like, fuck it. He said, man, you fucking up my car. And she would does it. Do? And I was like, fuck your truck, man. It's Charlie's angels, man. <laughs> but anyway, so I got, I got rid of that. But yeah, I do got the kids pinball machine still. I got that from uh Tesco V from the meat man. Uh, Around, yeah i guess it was late mid 90s i got that from i've had that thing at least 20 good years i paid 750 for it and, uh all in quarters and i had it in a yoda piggy bank and i went in there and i had 753 dollars and or something like that in quarters and he wanted 750 i was like it was all quarters it was funny because since it was pinball I'm like when you got quarters for pinball <laughs>
1: <laughs> well it's been since 2018 since we've talked to you last uh ghostly white had just come out when we talked to you um uh, it was a it was a freaky ride for you guys there.
2: You know when that came out. Uh,
1: you want to care about uh, talking about it?
2: Yeah, it was. It, it's always going to be fucked up in my head. I was so proud of the record. Love what we did. Um, Mike Smith, the one guitar player who pretty much comes up with all the riffs, I and mean, he he basically brings them to me. I arrange them, and we arrange them for the stuff. He he was he's done did a lot of government stuff. He was overseas for years. He was living overseas, like he was like over in like Turkey doing stuff for the government but he was and so it was hard to get that record going because we the last one was Real Overdose which was like seven years prior so it took about seven years to get those practices in I was only seeing Mike like two times a year for like weekends so we were doing a lot at a time and kind of like talking over the uh, internet and stuff he was just having stuff ready for when he came back we do our homework so to speak but uh, proud of the record so happy and then as soon as it comes out I remember we drove to Cincinnati to play a show it was me the drummer Dave and my buddy Steve and dave was in the back laid out and I, we just got the mastered copy of the cd and we were playing it in the car and it just finished and dave looked at me and said damn that's a good record he said I'm, he said that, we did good right i said did real fucking good brother after all we've been through and we looked at each other and he gave me the smile off the uh, rear view i was driving and we went and played cincinnati we came back and after we came back uh we got offered a show down in DC with municipal waste. They called me up. And said, you want to go do a show? I said, yeah, man. I called up Dave. I said, yeah, they want to do a show next week. He's like, dude, I'm going to El Salvador to see my parents for, uh, for, uh, Thanksgiving. I can't do it. I said, all right, well, that's cool. I said, dude, just be safe. I love you. And he left. And then I got a call I was watching Monday night football. And, uh, I missed the call and I saw it was a 703 number, which is Virginia. And I thought it was my brother or my sister. So I called the number back and, um, when I did, just, it was a f- mutual friend, and he said, yeah, Dave died today. I said, what? What the hell are you talking about? He said, dude, he drowned. I said, he drowned? He said, yeah, he's in fucking El Salvador and a fucking riptide, pulled him out to sea. I fucking went into shock, dude. My fuck. I couldn't remember. I couldn't move my head. My fucking, I felt like I was weird down hard, just crushed my fucking soul. I just could not believe it. And I talked to his girlfriend who wasn't there, but she was hysterical. I mean, it was just a bad time. And I was just like, God, this is fucked up. This sucks so bad. And, you know, that's all when I think of the record now, you know, I mean, I'm so proud of him playing on it and what he accomplished and everything in the band did, but it's always got this fucking, like just this, this stake through the heart, you know? So it, it was fucked up. So we, we basically didn't know what was going to go on. And, you know, the guys started calling me, Hey, what are we going to do for live stuff? Who's going to play drums? And I said, well, it's weird. This happened, man. I said, this is, this is all truth. This is no weird twilight zone shit or nothing. But David told me we would just come off tour with this band called the death of Kings. And, uh, Dave said, if anything ever happens to me, man, you get this motherfucker to play, man. Cause he can play the shit. And I said, yeah, he's a damn good drummer. It was a guy named Amos Rifkin. And, um, the weirdest thing that right after it happened, I got a message in Facebook from Amos and he said, Hey man, if you need anybody, man, I know this is tough times I don't know what you you know your plans are and things. He said, I'm I'm sending you a letter. I wrote you a handwritten letter. He said explain what I'm trying to say. Let me, you know, give me a call after you get it. And I got the letter a couple of days later. And it basically said, Hey man, deceased is great. I saw you guys were a family. You're, you know, one of the longest running bands in the underground, et cetera, et cetera. He said, If you ever need help, dude, I'm here for you, dude. I love you guys. You're you're great people. I called him up and he i said dude if you want it you got it dude i said did i told him i just told you guys about dave and he was like freaked out he goes i guess it was meant to be it's a sign you know whatever and we were just like freaked out and so i'm telling the guys yeah amos is gonna do it and they're like well he lives in atlanta and i'm like well i live in pennsylvania and shane lives in dc and the other two guys live in frederick maryland so we're not that far apart but yeah atlanta does kind of stretch the boundaries but i said he would said whatever it takes and it was you know it was christmasy time i said you know Give him two months, let him get a set list down. He came down in February. We could have played a show that night. He was so prepared. He came in. I think there was one error on twelve songs, and it was all of like maybe playing a, a you know four bit five times or something. And I was just like, "This is going to work. It's going to work." And th- and Amos is I've, you know I've learned over the last few years. He's a workaholic. I mean, he gets things done, and I, that's how I am. I can't stop you hear me not even taking a breath telling you this fucking story dude i just don't stop you know it's a lot of energy and stuff and it's just been everything he said it would be he's kept everything up the guys have been fucking on the thing and we do it for us but we also do it for all all the guys we've lost i mean we that's 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 literally the third guy we've lost in the band since we started the band i mean we lost our our original bass player got hit in in a hit and run in early 1988 he was killed um we lost our uh, drummer when Dave stepped down for a while. We had a drummer named Eric who was great friends with Shane was in a band called bio with Shane and he got real sick and died in his late thirties. Um, you know, around 2014 or 15, he passed away. So we've had our share of fucking, you know, all this shit. And I guess that's how it goes when you've been a band for, we're coming up near on what is this? Uh, I guess we're in our 37th year as deceased right now. So, you know, life is life, but, uh, Yeah, it was weird, man. It was fucking weird. But we've been out playing and playing, and now Mike's home. He's retired. Mike Smith is actually retired. He's back living in Virginia. And we are going to get to work here on uh, the new album, Children of the Morgue. Uh, It's going to be a wild ride, man. It's going to be a wild ride. It's been a while since I've been able to call Mike and say, look, I'll meet you at Chains today and not, like, see you in five months in a day. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But, so uh, yeah, that, yeah, the ghostly white was, is, is always going to have that fucking little bit to it, but you know, Dave would have, you know, he wanted us to go on and I'm proud of what he did. And I do want to send a shout out to hell said bangers who've actually stopped production of the record was already in the process when Dave died and, and held up production and put a nice sticker on there, dedicating the record to him right on the outside sleeve and with some drumsticks and things. Let me know that they're part of the family too. Cause as we get older you know, you, you, you know, I think we've talked about, or you definitely know my past with relapse and just, you know, <laughs> you don't always get the best fucking partners and you know fucking all this and stuff so it, it really made me believe in them not that i didn't already but it made me feel good and you know here we are a couple of years later and life just never stops for none of us and it's you know we're, we're going to get back and do another record now
1: that's cool but in the meantime though you got uh the covers album coming
2: out the uh fast time at, at ridgemont yeah Fast times at ridgemont high Rashmont, the- we 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 finished that. Yeah, th- this is one of the things with the uh, crazy road called COVID. So going back to 1997 when we were doing Fearless Undead Machines we used to sit in my We, back then we practiced in my basement we all lived in Virginia like 20 miles from each other so it was a lot easier but we we had a uh, studio in my basement where we just demo stuff not anything we could record albums with but we could get decent demos and we'd sit down there and we'd have all those free times as we were all you know together and I was like yeah we're going to do this thrash times Ridgemont how we're going to do an all covers thing of thrash and they were like yeah that sounds cool then we were like yeah then we're going to do a radio rock album we're going to do like foreigner and stuff so we just started like fucking around and we were like in there doing like fucking uh what were we doing Dick like double vision or fucking um, we were doing like the cars and shit just for fun and i was just kept that in the back of my mind since 97 well this this People don't really know the whole thing with what goes on with the So basically Mike Smith is a full-time deceased guy, but he doesn't play live anymore. He retired in 2006, which is when he really got into going overseas for the government and stuff. So he stepped down from all that and he was never really a live guy. He was always wanted to do the studio stuff. Well, Mark left in 2007, which basically that's the the, the era. Most people remember the most. And uh, Mark, while well, Mark stopped playing then. Uh, to get some time away and he got married he moved to the virgin islands okay so we had guys that played live for us that i would bring in there's been a few guys uh in the past and for the last couple of years obviously we've done no new studio albums i haven't i haven't even i haven't even seen mike since we did ghostly white that's how long he's been gone up to now so 2018 we finished that album right around september of that year i think it was but uh so I was like, yeah, we got these live guys. Now Shane plays on the records and stuff. And of course I sing on the records and then that's where it kind of stops. So the second guitar player is a guy named uh, Matt Eibach. And then bass player is a guy named Walter White. And uh, it was Dave that did play when he was alive. He was obviously the live drummer too. And now it's as Well, I wanted to keep something going on while all this was going on. When COVID came, obviously we couldn't play live shows for the longest fucking time. Which sucked because two years ago was our 35th anniversary. And we were going to try to do like 50 to 75 shows in honor of being around 35 years. It's just, you know, one of those, uh, monumental moments, I guess you would call it, but we didn't get to do it. We played one show and then COVID hit, I guess it was like March hard of, uh, 2020. And so, um, I said, look, we got to keep fucking busy, man. we got to do something. Let's fucking learn. This cover stuff, I said, there's two things on the table. One of them was called Rotten to the Core Part 2. We did a punk rock thing in early 2000s with me, Mark, Mike, and Les, and Dave for a, a punk rock label. Because the guy is always like, man, I'm not a metal guy, but, man, you guys have this punky thing to you that you're kind of, you know, you're, you're down to earth, and you're not like a lot of He me- He's just not a big metal guy. But he's like, I love you guys. So we did this thing for him. We covered all these old punk songs, Ramones, Sex Pistols, et cetera, et cetera. And it was fun. He goes, well, okay, well, in 20 years, we're going to do another one well sure enough (laughs) he said let's do Rotten to the core too so we all learned this stuff and the weirdest thing about all this was we were all learning it from our homes we weren't even getting together this was all homework and then we got together we recorded it all and we got the Rotten to the core thing out in and uh uh uh, beginning of last year and then i basically or i should say the late 2020 i guess it was more like august september of 2020 what am i saying i'm getting uh losing my dates here but anyway so then when that was done i'm like well hopefully we'll get to play again next year and so last year it sort of opened up i know you guys all know this dude sort of opened up and it got locked down again and then all of a sudden nobody cared about it and it was gone then it was back so it was like you know we were playing shows we're not you got the vaccination do you not are you wearing a mask are you not and i was like look dude i don't know what's going on with playing shows because people are canceling and shit's just so weird i said let's do this thrash times of Ridgemont high thing. And they were like, what's that? I said, it's all covers of thrash songs. So I threw them all at them. They went and fucking learned all these fucking tunes, fucking note for note, lead for lead, all the stuff. I mean, we, we really went out of our, to to be top notch on this. We got together, we put this down, we recorded this and we released it on hell's Headbanger. Uh, I guess it was around November of last year. Now a couple of two months ago. So it's out. It's uh, come out. I'm real, I'm real proud of this. One of the fucking coolest things we've done, got to see, you know, got to see my, my buddies and shit and be around them. We did, we did play six shows last year with deceased. We got to go out and do two pockets of time. We did a three on the East coast and we did a three day Texas run where less uh are the bass player that plays on the albums lives in Austin? We went out there and played. And he actually played bass for those, so we did get to do a couple things. But yeah, Thrash Times Ridge Out is out right now. The CDs on Hillside Bangers available through them right now. Hopefully, vinyl in time. You know, with COVID, who knows it'll probably take five years before the vinyl gets put <laughs> out <laughs> or at least mailed to me if they even made it yet. But uh, so that's, that's where we're at right now. As far as, yes, we did just release the thrash times. Ridge, when I, we did covers of artillery and cyclone lesser bands that, that some people don't know as much because people are like, why well, can't we didn't do Slayer and all those? I said, Dude, we've done the Slayer covers. We've done the creator covers, the Sodom covers and all that. So we went to, you know, we went to digging around, we did whiplash and things like that. Blessed death, a little bit lesser known stuff for the most part.
0: Well, you guys did that short run of shows, which unfortunately I was when you originally planned to be playing down at the it was the the pie shop in Philly or in DC. Yes, and then that got canceled, and then the tour you kind of you kind of rescheduled that little bit of tour, but you did it with Abominog, which. They're back, and like we know, Daryl,
2: the the guitar. Yeah, yeah, Daryl's great guy. Hell yeah, I've I've known Daryl since the Edenistic Cravings days when he was a Virginia boy.
0: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, I mean, he and he's just as much part of the old school as anybody is. I mean,
2: oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. It got crazy. Like I was just saying, like one minute everything's cool to go, then all of a sudden nothing's cool, or this is cool, but that's not cool. And I was like, well, look, dude, if we're gonna do a three day run, we got to figure out where we're to go. We kept trying to book Richmond, Virginia. Uh, and DC. And then we were going to do Philly. And then I, then Richmond just could not, nobody was like, we're not having anybody in here. There's nobody can be in here. We can't have shows. Kept waiting and waiting, and they and they just backed out of it. So we went to New York, and then the pie shop took it down and brought it back. And then they, they were freaking out because it sold out. The entire thing it was just us and a bomb-and-og. and it's like that's like abominog's first show in 25 years. Chris the singer knows a lot of guys that wanted to see them for 25 years, so they were going to do good. And we hadn't played there in a couple of years, so we were going to do great. So it sold out, and it was to the point where the club was like oh my God, there's going to be so many people in here. And then they just let it happen. So we did end up playing there. And we basically, how it went is we played New York on a Friday. And what was weird was that was the very first day they really put that vaccination card thing into full effect where they were like having people like actually come out to the clubs and make sure that people were enforcing that entertainment thing where you had to have that shit. So, but then we got there and they didn't do it (laughs) at all. So I was like, okay, so they didn't even care. And then Saturday in DC, you could have the card or the COVID fucking test. And that was kind of enforced, but not kind of wasn't. So it was still loose. And then by the time we got to Philadelphia on Sunday, we played outside and you could have just gone in there with your pants down to your ankles. They didn't give a fuck what you did. Just as long as you wore your mask when you went in the bar. So it it was the best. It was all three ones were different. And the reason I'm saying this is because people were coming to me like, man, I don't have a vaccine. I want to see. I'm like, go to Philly. I was like, all these shows are four hours apart. If you live where we live, like right here, I was like you're two hours from DC and I'm two hours from New York. You know what I'm saying?
0: Well, it's, and so it's crazy. So it happened. It's, go ahead. It's crazy the, the 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 people don't quite get what's going on. Like they're not being real clear about shit with shows. Like I ran into a guy over the weekend and uh or door on Friday, he was talking about, Oh, I got tickets for a show in Philly and I don't want to go, I'm not vaccinated. It's like, well, dude, they're fucking doing tests right on site. Like You know, they seem, Philly seems to be having their shit together more than just about anybody because if you're not vaccinated, you can get tested right away
2: yeah yeah i mean you know and that's just what i told people i said look i'm not I, i'm not telling you what, how much they're enforcing because he's like i might be able to get down there and just walk in or i could carry one of your guys symbols and of course i'm there's my punk rock spirit i'm like sure we'll shove you in the you know the bass jump case and we'll carry you through i you know we're just crazy like that but then at the same time i'm like you know if you go down there i don't know what's going to happen i don't don't put it on me you know i got all these fucking people coming at me and this is what i fucking hate and i know you see me my facebook page i'm not a politics guy. I'm not of fucking any of this shit. To each their own. Let like everybody live their lives. But I did tell these people, look, I don't make the rules at these fucking places, as you know. And they're like, oh, why? Why would you play a place where you have to have a vaccine card and I'm like, look, dude, every place is different. It's like, why would I play a place where they wouldn't let anybody under 21 in? You know, it's like we could sit here all day. Why do you have to wear a seatbelt? Why can't you run a red light? I'm like, dude. Life is life, dude. Get used to it. I told him, I said, look, if you're this way, if this is the way you see things, go to Philly. If this is the way you see things, go to DC. If this is the way you see things, go to New York. And if none of those work for you, then fucking stay home, because (laughs) I don't make the fuck. I don't make the rules. You know, I'm trying to be fucking genuine to everybody, and I want everybody to come out and have fun. But I'm, I don't want nobody to get fucking sick. And nobody knows exactly what's going on with this shit. Everybody has their angle and stuff, but it's all a hodgepodge. Like you're saying in Philly, like they're, you know, there's some are doing the right thing, and you know, you go down there and it's like. Like, this wasn't enforced, and someone's like, "Man, I was told this was strictly this." And I'm like, "Dude, I never told you that." You know what I'm saying? I don't put it on me. So I got in this cornered by that kind of shit when we went did those shows in the east coast now we went to texas we went to i drove to Baltimore. i had a hell of a day the first day i got left here went to bwi caught a plane to san antonio landed in san antonio we rented a car we drove the car to um i'm sorry we went to austin we landed we drove the car to san antonio we played in san antonio we drove back the next day played austin then drove to houston on sunday took the car drove back to uh to um austin and flew back to bwi and i drove home now in between all those circuitries and shit some you gotta wear a mask this one you don't wear a mask and we got over there and i'm like Unless our bass player was like his wife and him had just had COVID and he's like, dude, it's crazy here. It's wide open. You know, they don't, they just don't seem to give a fuck. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do here on shit. I was like, I'm just going to put the fucking mask on. i don't got to worry about it so much as what's going on. And then you go on stage, you got all these people's fucking microphones. I'm bringing my own shit just to be on the safe side of shit. I mean, it's like, why not? You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Definitely yeah. not trying to give you a tangent here or anything. I'm not <laughs> trying to sidetrack, but that's just, that's like literally what's going on. And now here we go this year, you know, we're going to, we got a bunch of shows coming up and we don't know what to expect. People are like, oh, it's going to be like last fucking year. This, blah, blah. Like, you've got no fucking clue. I was well, like, this, you're calling the same phone number I am. No, it's the you same know.
0: shit. You're going to have a mixed bag. I mean, we went down to see Misery Index did a show down in Philly or at Baltimore at the auto bar a couple of weeks back and. We went down to that, and it was you had to wear a mask. Now, oh
2: yeah, I've heard auto bars heavy. They have, they push it like they were telling Chris, if you're not on stage singing, you better fucking have your mask on. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> they were fucking hardcore. I mean, to the point where we watched some chick fucking puking through her fucking mask. She was oh no, yeah, it, it, yeah, uh, it was that's pretty cool. wild. It was like Good opening the, band. <laughs> yeah, it was but like no, the, nobody in the band had had a mask on. Well, like, when they were out, walk around the crowd. Yeah, they did. But they everybody I mean, stage in the crowd. One. Yeah, and then yeah were, I, I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't do. Train. I didn't do
2: auto bar. But I can tell you this: when they were enforcing the stuff, they never, never came to us in uh, any of those shows I just mentioned all six shows they never said hey guys you gotta have this too you know it was like we were like the band so we got special privileges which was weird to me you know what I'm saying it's like we're still all I mean we're just a band we're not nobody on any level to begin with but the bottom line is we're all walking to this as human beings let's fucking let's get some kind of like you know organization if we're all gonna do this let's all do this for the night you know what I'm saying it's not like permanently or anything I don't got a fucking problem I've told everybody I think everybody should wear a fucking mask you ever looked at a bunch of fucking people in the world some ugly motherfuckers out there (laughs) put that shit on your face and let's get on with it i don't care i'm so used to it now i don't even care It just sits on me like i'm a surgeon or something i just pull it up pull it down whatever i feel like if i'm gonna rob a bank i pull it up i'm not i'm gonna pull it down (laughs) billy the kid here Uh, uh, well back to back to fun fun things
1: (laughs) um when you when you picked out all these songs was there one that just went oh shit we we picked we picked something that it's we bit off more than we could chew is what i'm getting at
2: I don't I you know at first I was wondering that cuz a couple of the songs of like like The Ring of Mortis we did like that guy's lead work is crazy and I went to Matt because Matt was gonna play most of those leads. I said, Gotta nail these fucking leads, do, dude, or we're not gonna fucking be able to do this. And I didn't know because there's some of the stuff is simple, like we do darkness from Germany. It's very simple, almost punk, one chord, almost variation, thrash, not much to it. Then you got stuff like stone from Finland or artillery from Denmark. These guys were layered and they were fucking, you know, really precise. I mean, we some of those songs like the drumming had to like. Amos had to dumb down to the drumming because some of it was like so out of, out of time. Cause these kids were like 16 when they did this shit that you almost had to play it like that to, you know, to make it right. I remember when I'd recorded Sodom, witching metal with this? C- 20 years ago and I was like if I play it correctly where I keep the beat exact it doesn't work because they don't play it right so I have to kind of cut corners and that's what Amos figured out too but um, I I really thought mostly probably for the guitar stuff but dude they nailed it that's why I was saying earlier how proud I am of everybody I mean these motherfuckers all 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 of us I'm to be 53 when I cut those vocals man I think it's some of my strongest stuff I mean it's different each song has different ideals of the vocals like for example Blessed death he does a lot of these fucking high strong Shrieking screams, and one of them was 12 seconds, and I told I told uh, the engineer, I said, that's 12 seconds, I'm going 12 fucking seconds on that, and I'm doing it right, we're not cutting it in half, and chopping it, and adding it, no, it's going to be all genuine, there's no, you know, tricks, studio tricks on any of this stuff, so yeah, we, we got it, uh, I would say the hardest thing we had to do was the Voivod, we did Thrashing Rage from Roar, and that's an already hard to understand album, uh, just to hear the audio of it, and if you've never played it, or you weren't in the band, so obviously, Piggy's Pack. The way we went to, I went to Dan and asked him. He said, dude, I never learned it. He said, it's too hard to learn. That record's too hard to understand. We barely play anything from it because of that. So I went to Blackie from Voivod, and he's like, I don't remember. And I went to away <laughs> for the timings, and away way said so it's just eleven and a five. And I'm like, what is he talking about? He's talking that more and fucking uh, French Canadian shit to me. So we locked in on a lick, we played it. I sent it to fucking Dan. And I was like, here's what we got. He said, dude, it's played it better than Roar. Sound the quality's better than Roar. Now he's like, I like this one because I can hear it. So that was probably the hardest thing. And Shane did uh, the, did almost all that because that's Shane's kind of style. He basically put down so much on that, including most of the you know, of the bass and everything on that. So it was just something that worked. We went to each person in the band's um, comfort zone. Like Matt's more of a fucking straight thrash guys so when we got to like for example the rig of mortis or uh or the, the stone that would be more like him and in the wild kind of like more punkish thing was more like a shame thing so they got to lock in more and they kind of doubled their own rhythms and stuff we just made it so it was just kick-ass you know and we went out to texas and we did the sacrifice cover live out there a couple of shows and it, it's just fun to do that you know i told the guys enough covers for a while do we? i mean we, they did just learn like 20 i think like 25 co- 26 covers or something like that in the last Fucking like eighteen months. Jesus. The punk, the punk rock one was like loaded because a lot of those songs were only like two minutes. And they were learning all that crazy shit, and that was like was neat for Matt because Matt's not really a punk rocker guy. He's more like I said, like more of a metalhead guy, metal church except kind of guy. So when I'm like, yeah, hey, man, learn this fucking. Thing he'd never heard it. It was neat for him because he was like, "Yeah, I never really approached a guitar like this, We're rock and rollish and things like that." Like we did a Clash cover on there. That that was weird to him. He didn't get. I was like, "I was like, it's kind of like weird reggae strumming here." It's you know, and so we had fun with it. It was a very good learning experience. Good time in the studios. Learned some more tricks to the trade for that for the next disease because uh, for my production skills. You know, obviously, it's, every time you do something, you hopefully you're better than the one before you. Yeah, yeah, so, I get that totally. It, yeah, it was totally. It was funny shit, though, man. It was great, and it's fun, dude. It's getting so well received, man. I mean, it was. I don't want to say it was a placeholder. It was just something on my on my list of things I always wanted to do. So I did it. It was. It wasn't like a placeholder to like till we got the next deceased album out. It was just something to get out but Hell's Bitbanger is like, man, people are fucking flocking to that fucking thing. And, you know, I think it's making people when they hear it, it's giving people a lot of good memories of their stuff. Cause we did it in the high school thing. I wrote like school notes in there and stuff. And I, there's pictures of girls butts and, you know, and fucking, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of motif to it. And people were like, yeah, and that's reminds me of those days, you know, and that's what it was supposed to do. Cause that was, those were my days being a teenager and you know, at 80 in 83, 84, 85, that was like my years of being a teenager. And that's all I learned at all, you know? Just and I kind of talk about it in there, like yeah, Whiplash, I bought Power and Pain, and Blessed Death, saw him with Agent Steel. Tell a little story about each one, you know. So it was neat. It was it was something to get past. And now I'm ready to get back to doing originals here. These this next one, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this next deceased record.
1: Well, we uh we touched this uh this subject back in the uh, 2018 interview and how the record industry has changed, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. I had a, I had to ask you this question again. We know your history with relapse, but now that relapse is like fourth generation sold and nuclear blast is on a, you know, a whole nother level now, would you go back to a bigger label?
2: If you want my honest opinion, I think right now, Hell's Headbangers is probably one of the bigger labels of metal. I think they've got a lot of good stuff going on. I think they really push their product. I think they do good sales. And I think that what's really good is that, you know, I was just, here's a perfect example. I was telling somebody this last night. I called up, um, hell's head bangers two weeks ago and i was trying to find out about the merchandise stuff because when we go on tour we're going to need you know merch and stuff and i was just trying to get where you know what the numbers were for 50 or 100 or 200 or something right well eric one of the brothers they're all pretty much brothers there but eric is one of the ones that does all that well i call them the phone rings. He picks it up. Okay. That's the first thing that relapse hardly ever did. Okay. And if he, if they did, it was usually one of the henchmen, not the one I needed to talk to. It was like three steps from where I needed to get to. Anyway, he picked the phone up. We're talking Well, then minute into the conversation. He's coughing. I'm like, dude, what's up? He's like, dude, I got COVID. I think I'm sick of shit. I said, well, dude, why are you taking my fucking call? Hang up the phone and go to bed. You know? And he's like, no, man, let's do what we got to do here. And I'm on the phone and he's keeping me on the phone. I'm not keeping him 15 minutes later we've got what we needed to get done. And I said, all right, dude, I appreciate the, they've always been that way. They're, they're men of their word. And that's what means the most to me. If you go back to, I think we talked about this, but with relapse, man, it was so many broken promises, so much white lies on the phone. It's like, you know, i, I got a kid that's 33 this year. I remember he was a kid. And I was like, did you go in there and eat the rest of that? Baba, the ice cream, you know, mom's ice cream or whatever. no, motherfucker. Yes, you did. And you're just going to sit here and say, no, I didn't, dad. No, I didn't. You're a little kid. Well, that's what I was getting from grown men and, you know, in a business situation, just basically white lies, horse shit. You know what I'm saying? And I can't deal with that. And I tell that to anybody that'll like, listen to me. I'm like, dude, I'm in my 50s, dude. I don't have time for high school nonsense, dude. Let's get on with this shit and do things the right way. And that's all I've ever gotten from Hell's bangers. And I think that's one of the reasons why they do so good. They got a great mail order, man. They got so much product. And I mean, I know you guys have seen they pro- they do the best of anything they're vinyl second to none i mean much better than anything with relapse relapse never even did any vinyl for us they're, i know vinyl was out then so i'll give them that but i mean even even back then it was just so hard and so to go back to something like that i do you know, i couldn't be any happier where i am you know what i'm saying i've never been happier than i am now i mean everything they've promised from day one they've delivered mm-hmm. and then some and that's not a, that's not an exaggeration or an ask kiss. That's the truth, man. No. I mean, I was on, I was on metal blade with October 31. We didn't even get the fucking first record out with them. And I already fucking tore up the contract because what was in the contract all of a sudden was changed. He's like, yeah, you're going to get fucking $6,000 to record the album. I was like, well, that's a pretty good budget. Right. So I'm thinking about, it, he goes, yeah, but you're going to have to out of that money, fly all five of you to Germany because we want you to do it on our money and our, our taxes. And then take that money out of the recording. I'm like, well, that's like fucking two, $3,000 gone. Now we're down to three and we're in Germany. And I was like, I called him. I said, dude, that ain't going to work. That wasn't part of the deal. And stuff. he goes, "What well, we were thinking about it. I'm like, well, you can't think about it. And fuck it. After we've signed the contract. I said, this is bullshit, dude. Fuck, fuck this. I said, you know what, dude, I don't need this headache. And I literally, after all those years, not put something up on Facebook about this one time. I was a kid. I grew up on metal blade. We all did Slayer and trouble and fate's warning. And, you know, just the bands of times, at least in my age bracket and, I was always like, one day maybe I could be on Metal Blade. Then I got there and I'm like, you know what? Fuck Metal Blade. <laughs> so I just ripped up the fucking contract. I was like, dude, this is false promises. This is, this is not what we agreed to. And that's what I don't get with Hell's Headbangers. So to say to go to a bigger label in this day and age, I mean, what is a bigger label now? I mean, you're saying like a nuclear blast or something like that. Or, you know, I don't even think they'd want us. I don't think we'd get along business wise. You know, we'd probably just be a little ship in a big sea over there. You know what I'm saying? I would probably just be forgotten about over there, or something. Who knows? But I can, Well, I'm so happy where I am, and the band has never been happier with with our business side of things.
0: No, and Hell's Headbangers. I mean, you don't see them doing a lot of advertising or anything. It's just they their fucking product is their fucking advertisement, and the word of mouth just exactly
2: underground underground yeah. you know what i'm saying this is what i'm in it for well i didn't i didn't that's what i always say about relapse i didn't go to get to an underground label to get treated like, like different i mean they started off the same spot we did with nothing and then when they started getting rolling getting you know nile money amorphous money whatever those bands they had on their money going and then you know then all of a sudden it was like they were too they were like the rock stars like you know we were the band and they were the rock stars and it was weird like even to get to matt the, the, the honcho mall it was impossible then when i'd finally get them on the phone. He'd be like, dude, what? dude? I only got a minute. I'm like, oh, I was just going to talk about the next record and what we know what we're going to need. It's time. And he'd be like, oh, uh, okay, well, let me get back to you. And then I would be like, guys would ask me questions. I'm like, I got no answers. You know what I'm saying? And it's just that it, that's stupid. And it's because he, he needed to go do bong hits with somebody in the back room and fucking listen to some yuppie alternative college crap. Because <laughs> they all turned. I mean, I was talking to somebody from Relapse yesterday, Mike, that works, and he was just saying, dude, there's hardly any metal on there anymore. It's almost all like just rock, you know? A lot of the college-y, rocky, or like punk, or hard, today's hardcore kind of shit. I mean, you know, there's, there's some, you know, obituaries over there, an incantation, I guess, or some of the death kind of things. But he was saying how... Different it was, and how nobody ever really listened to you metal anymore.
1: Jeez, but uh, so you're essentially you're saying no. Hell's ha- headbanger will be
2: your home till.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, so you are I mean, d- d-
2: d- d- yeah, d- yeah. They, they, do we've talked about. It. They said whatever you need, dude, we'll keep on doing it. They jumped on thrash. You know, I went to them and said, "Look, I don't need a lot of money for this. It's going to be, you know, just a simple fucking, you know, balls to the walls, lay it down production. We want to put it on CD. What do you think?" He's like, "I think it's a great fucking idea." You haven't had anything since Ghostly White. It's two thousand and twenty-one, and fucking let's let's put it out. So we they gave us a budget. We stayed in the budget. We fucking did it, and here it is. You know, like the the punk rock thing we did was with a label called Malt Soda. To, they they allow me to do that they allow us to do that they allow us to like you know if you want to go put out a seven inch we're not like we're locked in like relapse would be like what the fuck dude what the fuck you know and i'll be like dude it's all underground we're not trying to like rob from you you know we know what you put into it and things and we know you need to make your money back and we know you're a business and stuff but dude we're all friends in this before any of this and if you start getting this fucking higher than now attitude i'm just i ain't got time for it dude
0: well they don't seem to be afraid to do like anything i mean they're they're putting out like all your back catalog on cool different like vinyl colors or putting out cassettes t-shirts i mean they're fucking just like all in on it
2: exactly and i and i and i told relapse when i left i said look dude you owe us money and i've done the books and you know this this is this is flat out i've had people i know do the books and they owe us close to like ninety thousand dollars okay of anything we we weren't the biggest seller on there they he matt tries to act like we were oh everything we tried so hard we believed in you and never worked out well i told him first off if you if, if you admit and have the word admit if they may needs to look it up i said if you want to admit you you did sell twenty two thousand copies of luck of the corpse in 1990 we paid for all the recording because they didn't have the time we paid all that we didn't even get our fucking money for the recording back even if they gave us a dollar a piece on those okay that's $22,000. You know what I'm saying? Never saw a penny of that. And they're like, oh, we only sold like 8,000 copies of blueprints. Even if he gave us a dollar, it's $30,000. Let me consider and go on. Oh, we only sold 7000 of Fearless. He, you guys are doing the math. Now we're up to fucking $37,000, et cetera, et cetera. But he was always like, oh, well, we put all this out. And we paid for this and that. No, you didn't. They never even put us on fucking tour, man. We went on tour for 10 days in 2000, and it was basically a bone and we played the same fucking places we played on our own. They were like, "Oh, you're on tour!" And then the, the shit they promised, dude. If I we sit here, I would make you guys chuckle. But the one that made me chuckle <laughs> is when he said, "We're going to have you on tour with Iron Maiden real soon, King." He was like, we're working with Iron Maiden. He, I'm not even getting you. We're going to get you out there. And then he kept saying, oh, but you're not a grind man. We can't put you there. And you're not really a heavy metal band, though. You have heavy metal elements, so you can't put you there. And you're not a thrash, you know. And I was just like, motherfucker, put us out with anybody. I don't give a fuck if it's Nazareth. Let's just <laughs> fucking get out and play. You know what I'm saying? We play with everybody. We play with Iron Man, the stoner world. We played with fucking... Um, Dillinger's escape plan. We play you know, we play with shit that's way more outrageous death metal than us. And you know, when we went on tour in Europe in 2014, we played Keep It True. We played Keep It True. We were the only band on it that was such kind of style. Okay. We were like Venom on that thing. And the first thing I did when I went on stage was say, I don't sing like the guy from Halloween. (laughs) Okay, because it was (laughs) it was Jag Panzer, it was center, it was flotsam and Jetsam, it was metal church, that kind of stuff, and deceased. So when we were done, people were like, Oh man, you guys are great. You guys stood out because you were fucking heavy and everybody else. Well then five days later. We played the Neurotic Death Fest and it was us, Massacre, Terrorizer, Pungent Stench, and we were the fucking carpenters on that motherfucker. We were the lightest band, and people said, <laughs> "Hey, thank you, man. You were different." So we have our little niche, so to speak. We do what we do. You know, we can be we can be crazy. I've done In covers, and we've done Doors covers. You know what I'm saying? We can go wherever we need to go. But they were just like always making excuses, and that's one thing that said Headbangers has never done. They're just like you know, okay, yeah, that sounds good. We talk it through. I, I like to think I'm a talker. I guess you guys ears probably burning by now i won't shut up so it's like we, we talk and we get things fucking ready to go you know what i'm saying and then they, they go through with it
0: well i mean you're a great interview <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can, are I mean, and you're <laughs> and the cool thing is you're, you're an open book so and i'm sure we're going to touch on a few more open nerves too so uh, anything you need to talk dude, anything i don't <laughs> care
1: i do got to ask this one because i i read your uh your post almost every single day and you you, you have all these horror stories about bands that Deceased has played with. Now, I want to go the opposite of that. What bands were the most fun to play with?
2: Of the bigger bands that are still cool, Creator is still cool as shit. Napalm Death is still cool as shit. Barney's a little weird with his politics, buddy. I, I, I don't talk politics, as I said to you before even so I'm not a politics guy at all, so I just let him be Barney. Um and Tomb was always cool in their heyday. I'm just kinda going with some of the bands that we've done stuff with that I don't even know who's popular anymore. Some of the up and coming bands that are like, you know, got their thing going. Like we love playing with Savage Master, who's a really popular band in the underground right now. They're they're fucking cool as can be. But in the heyday, I mean, we, we had we had a problem with like lots of bands because it was weird because we just never fit in with the click. We just didn't, man. We went and played you have heard my horror tales, the morbid angel, just Trey always, you know. If anybody's doing good, he don't like that to happen. So that was always weird, and all that. But as far as good bands, I mean, as underground as Corpse Vomit and things like that, we used to play with. We love doing stuff with them. Even the stuff is, you know, like like our buddies in all That's I know they're it's, these are lower bands of the wrong and stuff, so to speak. But they're all this is all part of the underground. But for the most part, dude, we've never we you know, and, and people can say what they want. I, I don't. I only call people out if they fucking do something. I'm not that kind of guy. How easy is shit to get along with? I'll help anybody out. I mean. Bring your stage show, bring your fucking, you want to sound check when, you're, when we were playing headliner, go on up there and do a fucking sound check. Just do, do what you're supposed to do. All we ever ask anybody is get your gear on, get your gear off. You know, that's part of, the, of it too. But, you know, it, it, for the most part, we've had no problems. We've had nothing. I mean, with, with bands outside of what you've already seen from the Morbid Angels and shit like that. I mean, it just is what it is. But the bigger bands, for the most part, they can be cool. It's usually the management. It's usually the management. I remember playing with Entombed and we were super cool with them, but the management was like, uh, we're selling our shirts for $40 and you're selling yours for 15 We can't have that. You have to sell yours for $40. I'm like, these are black and white t-shirts, dude. They're $15. They're not 40 If I put them at $40, 1st i i'm know he's gonna buy them. And you're gonna make us look like we're fucking like fucking greed bigs, which we're not. And you know, and so that kind of shit's weird. Um biohazard we played with those guys were that fucking evan guy was a cocksmoker he was an asshole <laughs> that was a long now I'm going way back i'm just trying to search at the fucking thing so it's been pretty good it's been pretty good for a while one thing about being around this song some people call you a legend or a cult and all this you know for being around 30 37 years but more than anything you just fucking you've seen a lot that's what it really comes down to you've seen a lot and you kind of know what's going to happen here and there we've done these festivals these He's, uh, we played like we did the Decibel Fest a little while back. And, you know, Tom Warrior shut the door, didn't want nobody to bother him, didn't want to be bothered, shit like that. Wasn't a dick, wasn't cool, just standoffish, I guess would be the word. And I don't mean that in a good or a bad way, just to himself, I guess I should say, stuff like that. And that's fine. I mean, people are how they are. But, you know, we get along with anybody. I'll go out there and shoot the shit with anybody, you know?
0: Well, you know what? Actually, one thing that we touched on when I talked to you back in 18, and I never really... Got to push it was, so when I was growing up, one of my favorite thrash bands was Rash child America, and you guys kind of came up in that same scene. What
2: Rothschild America? This here's my Rothschild America. I knew them when they were Rothschild. First off, they opened up for Twisted Sister. First time I've ever seen them. Shannon Larkin came off the stage you Had half blonde, half black hair at the time, split down the middle. And um, they played, they did a ball to the walls cover that night and stuff. They were so good with his sister. And I was a young kid. They were a little older than me. And uh, me and the other guitar player from the went over and we smoked the bowl with him. And I noticed that he was smoking the bowl backwards. Like he had the weed his mouth. He was trying to hit the mouthpiece. And I was like, <laughs> I was thinking, does this motherfucker smoke weed before? Cause I was like, he's older than me. He probably been smoking before I started, you know. And uh, that was weird. That was the first thing. But we laughed. Everything was cool. Then didn't know him at all for a while. Then I knew this girl that was dated on um, Brad Divens. and uh, I kind of dated her for a little bit. And she was—I I never really got around him, but I think she like ended up leaving him for me or something like that I don't know what it was and she was like oh yeah I don't think they like you and I was like he didn't know deceased I'm sure because of their world yet but then the weirdest thing of it all was a little bit later on we practiced at a place out in Chantilly Virginia and they practiced right next to us and by then they had done that change where like you know metal was out and alternative was in and they were starting to go that alternative oh, root. And, and it was turning into that dude but every time we would go out there they'd be out there practicing too and we just they kept playing this song I was like a polka beat to it it was a polka song we were always like look there's that again." it was like they, they must have been going over that song for months so every time i was like look they're doing it again but we never had any problems with everything i've never been a big fan of them like i said shannon was fine when we met them and stuff and i saw him that one time i've never even seen them open for anybody outside of that i remember him plenty playing in the dc area them child's play just the bands of the day you know that style kicks and all that kind of stuff was out there, but I do remember them kind of being like one minute they were thrashed and they were kind of being like Voivod, and then they were trying to be like kind of alternative. And then I don't know what happened, and then I guess he ended up over there and Godsmack, uh, Shannon, and I guess the, the main guy now is he like a big sound guy somewhere? I think.
0: Yeah, I think he yeah. does like live sound for tours and stuff. I think. Yeah, he- I mean,
2: yeah, I mean, you gotta respect the elders or stuff. I mean, they did; they played everywhere. They were the opening band on it everything back then before my time even you, you know these clubs i couldn't get into i wasn't of age but the one time i did see them, they opened for twisted sister and they weren't bad you know it was good they were good you could tell they were professional and i remember they used to play up and down the coast and beaches and ocean city and all that and i'm sure they got their share of pussy and you know party stories And i don't even know and i'm glad shannon went on to do i don't like godsmack or anything but i'm glad he got out there and made some money because he's a hell of a drummer
0: yeah, he is. I-
2: he's a good. He's a good drummer, man. I mean, that you know, I respect anybody. But he's still, he's still at it, man. All these years, fucking let it be later, I'd love to fucking catch up with him somewhere and talk and see if he remembers that Twisted Sister moment because, so like, I, I caught up with Spike from DRI. He, you know, he played in that band, Bat, with the Municipal Waste guy, Ryan. And uh, I was like, you. I was when I said, you remember when you guys played Charlottesville, Virginia? And I know they played all over the world. I said Charlottesville, Virginia. So said the reason I think you might remember is it was a big flood. And I said we smoked a fucking half ounce of weed on this pinball machine. Now. Night, we were like, we may be stuck here forever, and he was like, I don't remember it at all. And I was like, How could you forget this? Because I got a lot of memories and the hit, you know, places in my mind I've been to, and I was like, Oh, that was just so it was, I don't see it happening all the time. What I was trying to tell him, and then he was like, I don't remember. I was like, COC Blade, and he was like, There was like, there was five people there, and I made you guys play Slayer. I still have the tape of it too. I was like, I got him to play Show No Mercy and Black Magic that night. Nice. this was de- this is dealing with it animosity tours what it was i never was a coc guy but it was dealing with it an animosity and they played this club and this band called the landlords opened and he was like nah, i don't remember that at all i'm like well all right never mind so i don't know if shannon would be like well, well that happened every day of my life so why would i you know
1: <laughs> well i got one for you then i first met you and i want to see if you remember this i first met you in Brandywine, Maryland, um uh, Deceased just signed a relapse and you okay. guys you guys played with uh Cannibal Corpse on the yep. uh,
2: Angor of, Guts yep, Angor yep, Guts Yep
1: yep that's the show Yeah that's the first time I met you guys and here's a funny story about this 12 15 years later maybe even more than that I run into the guys in Deceased in Camden, New Jersey at an Iron Maiden show these sons of bitches remembered me as I walked by. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, it was funny because I, I, I it was you. It tapped me on the shoulder. And said, "Hey," and I was like, "Hey, King, you, you actually remember me? You're like, fuck yeah."
0: Which, speaking of which, the last time we saw you, King, was right before the shutdown at the Kiss concert downtown, yep. and we missed you. You were on the other side of the arena heading out. I and- heard,
1: you, I heard you yell okay yep yep did okay. you yell king did somebody yell king yeah, it was me I yeah, yelled John yell.
2: Well, I remembered somebody yelled king and I told my wife she was like gotta get home I gotta go to work in the morning <laughs> <laughs> and then you, but I do. I remember someone yelling, "King!" I was like, "I someone's yelling for me. I don't know where they are." But I did. You guys see? I, you yelled. I knew you did. That's the thing with me. with my memory, I have one of these like Mary Lou Henner fucking things in my head where I seem to remember like a lot of shit that people don't remember. I can like like I was just talking about this movie last night. I'm like, yeah, I saw it 1980. It was a Sunday. I was I could told the guys like I was taping the Plasmatics on a radio, and, and there, there was the movie it came on at eight o'clock at Mount Vernon Drive, and the guys like, how oh, the fuck do you remember that? I'm like, I don't know. I can just visualize shit, and it stays on me. I guess.
0: Well, that's, that's why I like your book. Like you would, after we did the interview, you sent me the, the digital copy of your book. And it's right. like, I know that what you have in that book is actually what happened. It's not fucking fabricated, you know, fabricated shit that a lot of people do in their biographies. It's, you remember the shit
2: like i wanted to yeah and when i did that book i wanted it to be what it was i mean like the, the guy that was helping out mike he's a good guy and he interviewed me for like three years and then he sort of wrote his version of the book first He said, what do you think i'm like what do you think and he's like well i don't know what do you think i'm like i think it's kind of reads like a book report dude i'm not really into it he goes well then you fucking write it and he meant it in a nice way he's like alright you write. you're right all right and i said all right you do, you did the final push now i'm the roadrunner i you know i just i fucking got away and now wiley e. coyote falls off the cliff am i going to be able to do this i sat down to it and then as I went, he kept saying, yeah, make sure you tell about the story about fucking them four girls. Up. I was like, dude, it's going to be some of that. But I was like, I've read enough biographies to know when people showboat or it just gets stupid. Like Paul Diano's book. Yeah. I fucked this girl that I punched her in the face. Now I can't go back to America. That was pretty much to Paul Diano's book. I'm like, who wants to read that or leave Ford? She was like, yeah, I'd come all over my face night I got married and it was Jim Glenn Tipton came in my hair or whatever the fuck she was talking about. And I was like, <laughs> Okay. One of those stories or a few of those stories is fine. But I told the guy, I said, look at the context of what's going on. When I, As you read the book, you know, it's like when I'm talking about my mother passing away or my son's mother and stuff, I was like, you have spots for that. Then he's like, when it was done, he goes, but dude, you didn't talk about beating up me in a war, or trying to beat up me in a war. I'm like, dude, what do you want me to tell you? I was like, I, it just never came up. Like, you know, I, I like to write as I think. You know where where it feels right to go to. So then I said, "Here's what we're going to do, Mike. You can ask me 50 questions, and we'll put it at the end of the book, and it'll have no sense except to answer a question. It just won't be in the context of the book goes. That's a good idea." So we went back, and then you got the why did you why did you want to fight man war and why did you fuck a swordfish, and all that shit in there. You know, was in there. So it just never came up when I was talking about in the book. But yes, I I I, I try to be as as clever and fucking genuine and honest as I can be in those books to make them interesting. Cause if they're boring, they're boring, you know?
1: No, yeah, you got a point there. I do have one more jog your memory because this was a funny story. This one you'll, you'll laugh about. Cause a friend of ours, I ain't going to mention his name. He uh, came up to you at the uh, Voivod show in, uh, in Philly at the truck is uh, right when Voivod came back with uh creator. No, no. It was with them in uh, Sepultura and Jason Newstead was playing bass. Okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You're talking the first time back. Okay. Yeah.
1: And we, we were hanging, we were, we walked around the corner and there you were with uh, a couple of guys and everything like that. And my friend comes up and shakes your hand and he's so thinking you're snake. He's, he's thinking you're snake. He's like, Oh, it's so great to have you back and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, that's King from deceased. And my friend's like, shut up. <laughs>
2: dude it was, that night snakes had people come up to him thinking it was i was him oh, okay. i was like come on man i was like I'm, you're the snake i'm the bear man i was like i'm the, the guy with the belly <laughs> oh, it, it was hilarious. I, we had that happen a couple times because I, I i went to a couple shows i went to jersey the next i think it was the next night or something with them too i saw him again and it happened again and people were like he was like yeah snake silent snakes like but what? why is that king and i was like I think I'm you. I was like, we do look alike. I mean, the first time I realized it was in the eighties in a magazine called metal chaos. And it was a picture of snake. And everybody was like, dude, that looks like you. And I was like, it does. But obviously I got more weight on me than he does. Now he's, now he, he's getting older. He's getting older, I guess. <laughs> We're all getting older, but he has this more of a flicked he's got some flicted ass hair now. Not that I don't. And I'm a little jealous. This is more flicted than mine at this time. But um yeah I, I i'm sure i remember that too i remember that night just some shit we were i was trying to go talk to jason because jason used to write and he was in Flotsam. And actually when he left metallica he actually sent me the ir8 demo and said hey king you know your old time yeah, i'm out of metallica blah 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 and i always thought that was cool that he remembered and tried to go back to his roots but he had no he was he had borderline pneumonia oh shit! Sure. then he was he got on a fucking he got in a big towel and was back there and he was just waving from the bus i was like okay
0: well, you know what, out, out of that whole band, like I had, I was lucky enough to meet Jason a few times and he was the most down to earth, cool as fucking hell dude that you could
2: ever meet. Absolutely. I mean, when he used to write me in Flats and before he joined Metallica, he was always weird. He was always cool. We just shot the shit. That's like I said, I could with anybody, dude, I'm, I'm cool with anybody. And fucking, um, yeah, that was great times, man. With I remember those shows with one uh, Sepultura and Voivod. I liked it better when it was creator, though. I'm not a Sepultura guy. <laughs> oh, well, I, lo-
0: I was just going to ask you, like, what you, you know, what what was your thoughts on Sepultura, like, uh- Where was your cutoff with them?
2: I never liked Semmeltera at all. I didn't even like the split back in the day. I had all the Brazilian death metal albums come to me from those crazy motherfuckers over in Brazil in the deceased days. I just never liked it, dude. I always thought they were phony and cheesy and stupid. I always thought they were the Death Leopard of death metal. And uh, basically... I mean, what really broke, I mean, I would have just gone on and said, eh, they're not for me and left it at that, but I saw them play with a Pituarian sadist in D.C. one time, and a kid was sitting on the stage just minding his own business. This kid could not have been more than 14, 15, and he was sitting there, and Max got pissed he was on the stage and went over, and he hit the kid in the face with his guitar and split his head open. The kid left and fucking uh, got, got stitches and came back to the show look into fucking getting up on his shit and this kid was proper kid i mean he was just there for the good time and i had his back and fucking max had left they were gone but the guy was like look the kid came back so we were all like yeah do you see that shit and actually fucking hit that kid in the face with his guitar that's fucked up and i remember him going i can't take this anymore and he was screaming something into the microphone so at that point i was like well fuck this dude he's a fucking dick i was like that's dickish even if i liked your band if it had been Voivod, i had been like i'm done with you you know what I'm saying? It was douchey, and then from there, just nothing. I mean, I, I, I you saw what they did. I mean, I've, I've seen them once or twice at Ozfest when I went to see. I think Maiden played with them or Sabbath. One of the shows where I saw them, they were there doing, you know, they were doing all that tribal shit, and I was like, it figures. It was just so whatever. But I didn't name my sub- I did name my studio, uh, Mobile Studio, Sepultura Sucks Studio. So that, maybe that's. <laughs> Got something to do. I never liked them. I just never liked them. And I know at the time when that was going on with the subculture over there, it wasn't even Max at the time, right? It was uh, it was different guys. So I didn't watch them. I was talking about Voivod, but didn't they have like the other guys singing them? Yeah, that was uh,
1: that was yeah. Derek Green was with them then. Yeah.
2: See, I don't even know all that and stuff. I don't even follow it, but yeah. I mean, whatever. Just not, just not a band for me. Never was my thing. I,
1: I just remember we were like Voivod was done and. Sybil Tour had just come on, and I'm trying to get out the door, and just walking out the door, you could hear them playing Territory, like one of their biggest hits. And I turned around right. I turned around and looked, and there's just a line behind me just walking out the door. And I was like, wow, how far have
2: you fallen? Right. That's just weird. I mean, they had their time. They did their thing. You know, teach their own fucking, I don't wish nobody death or anything like that, don't get me wrong, but there's better. There's better to talk about <laughs> in my world.
0: Well, and you've never been shy about your, you know, likes and dislikes, which I I think is what is big attraction to you is that, you know, you're not phony in any way, shape or form. And you're pretty open about the shit that you call people for the shit that shit, you know, and
2: If somebody does shit, actually does shitty shit, I'm going to say it. That's what I was saying earlier. I don't go looking, like, let me figure out, let me me go into this band's world and find out, because everybody's got bones in their closet. I don't care who you are, you know. I'm sure, you know, you could find anything on anybody. Somebody's the greatest Mr. Fucking Rogers. I'm sure he did something somebody didn't like somewhere down the line. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm getting at is, if I see it with my own two eyes, like with Morbid Angel started from day one for, you know, I mean, Trey was telling the lady when we did the festival, you've got 45 seconds to get me a coffee. We're fucked Out of here. Then he comes. He's like, and I want a cold orange juice too. And he had metal mom, who was the promoter of the show, in tears. And she's like, Oh my god! I'm like. Why are they acting like this? And we were young. This was 1990. I was 22. And we were watching Morbid Angel was the headliner that day. And they were just treating people like shit. Like everybody was under them. And they were the mighty Morbid Angel. And I was like, fuck these motherfuckers. And I said it. And, they, and Dave um, called me and he said, oh, could Crowley." And I said, yeah, I went in the other room. And, and how? But my past with them, I think you might know this, but my past with them is that I used to talk to Richard Bernal. He used to write me. Okay. I did a fanzine. He sent me the demo. They sent me a couple of t-shirts. They were pushing their band. That's what you do. And I wished them well. And I was like, yeah, demo's good. Whatever. For the time it was what it was. And uh, then one day I get a phone call and it's Richard. He's like, I got Trey and Dave on the other foot. We have three phone lines on here. We want to ask you about playing drums for us. Would you be interested in trying out for drums for Morbid Angel? And I said, no, I said, no, it's not really my thing. I said, deceased are my brothers. We're going to make it or break it together. And I thought that was pretty honest answer to him and stuff. And I personally think that Richard was cool with it. I think Trey thought, oh, who does this guy I think he is? This shit, man, will never be us. And I think Dave was somewhere in between. So anyway, so then going forward, we go to the show and Dave's a King Fowley and I go over there and I'm talking to him and he's like, oh yeah, what's all that? I said, man, what's your fucking deal up here? Why are you guys acting like fucking you're the Rolling Stones? I was like, it's you guys. It's us. It's nuclear death. It's sacrifice all planes. And I was like, can we just have a fucking fun? I was like, this is why I'm in the underground to stay away from the, I call it the overground, you know, all the fucking diva shit. And then he's like, well, I heard you guys wanted to put your banner up. I said, yeah, we want to put our banner up. I said, we brought it because when we play, people say, oh, this is deceased. How are you going to know? So unless I say it in the microphone, you're not even going to know. It's like, we'll put it up. We'll take it down. He's like, oh, I don't think that's going to happen because we have it in our rider. That only our banner. I said, well, that's fucking lame, dude. I said, that's fucking lame. I said, if you ever get to go somewhere and you think you want to use your, your banner, if you could go out and play, which is they did with motorhead or black Sabbath, you know, on the next year, I said, would you like to have your banner? Yes, I will. Okay. So he got me and Dave got respect there. We've been fine since me and Dave. I don't always agree with his fucking things he does and things like that, but I've never had a problem with that. Trey has never let that go. Like a, like a, like a little girl. He's always kept that. We played years later. You know, this played years later and Dave was out of the band. They had Steve in the band. Then uh, we played a show with them and Nile and Trey's back there. Like, Oh, King Fowler, you're, you're still, your, your band's still together. I'm like, yeah, you were just on stage giving them the fucking no encore fucking cut them throat fucking slash to the fucking sound guy when people were like, yeah, play one more. And I didn't play one more because it wasn't our place. We were opening for that tour. We got asked to play in Coney Island. We went up there and played and he, he fucking threw a hissy fit to the point where they fucking threw us out. They <laughs> threw us out. And I and their, their reason was like the guy in the band doesn't want you here. And it was some fucking cunt, bitch, fucking owner of the club, manager of the club. She goes, what do I owe you? $50 for your fucking band, gas money or some shit here. Here's $75. Get out of my fucking club. I fucking threw the money back at her, spit in her face and said, keep your fucking money. Fuck this. We'd already dealt with their fucking management. The night we had to sign a contract that we would not sell our, our merchandise within one mile, one mile of the club. Okay, and I'm already like, I don't even want to do this. If the people weren't there, they came to see us, and we had our crowd, too. You know, we're, we're talking. We'd had a couple albums out by then. I think we were, like, it was about almost 2,000, so I think we were fearless was out. And, you know, we were there, and we had a great show. We did great, and it was so great that people were like, one more, play one more. And I was like, can we play one more? Sound guy, do we have time? And, you know, we don't want to fucking hold up the package deal. They're coming up next. And he was like, yeah, I think so. And then Trey's like, nope. <laughs> And then 10 minutes later, he's in my dressing room saying, kick Sally. What are you doing here? Oh, your band's here. You're you playing. I'm like, dude, you're so fucking stupid. Genuinely an asshole. <laughs> so Man, we that's... laughed. And that was, that was the end of it. I haven't ever had to deal with them fucking clowns again. I got nothing good to say about that guy. I don't give a shit. He's a weirdo. He can have his world. People are like, Oh, he's just got fucking, you know, a fucking hyper fucking whatever. I'm like, dude, I've, I'm a hyper dude too. And I've got weird shit about me. And I still know the difference between being a dick and not.
1: Well. so. They've always been a, a kind of a sore subject to me because they. I, I've never played with them in a business sense, but they've always been kind of dickish when you, as a fan, go in to meet them. So
2: yeah i mean he i've never had a problem with dave shakes my hand you know when he was in the band we, we were cool he he respected me that day for me standing up and we didn't just so you know we did put our banner up that day and he did climb the ladder and fucking hammer one of the fucking tax nails whatever it was into the fucking wall when we did it <laughs> he even we even wore the c-shirt man there's pictures if you look at in the, in the uh the, the book that came out on the fucking uh glorious times from you know brian Patterson, rest in peace his book he's right there wearing a c-shirt i mean fucking we were cool but trey boy he was always like oh man not king Valley. that motherfucker he thought he was too cool for morbid angel which was never the story it was i have my own band i have my own ways of doing things i'm not going to waste your time and my time on that and i told him i said call out chris Ryford, california and see if he knows anybody or if he wants to do it and that led to fucking getting pd and we know how the rest turned out right you know what I'm saying? So it, uh, I don't know, as I get older it just sounds it just sounds more high school it, it sounds fast times during my highest. It sounds high schooly, you know. I'm just like, this was never meant to be, you know, just a lot of shit that happened, you know. Some of it was, you know, was the times and we were all younger and youth and you know, it, you know, that energy and some of it was drugs, some of it was alcohol and everything in between.
1: <laughs> I do have a question for you though. Um, October thirty one. When where when are we gonna hear something new from that?
2: I'm going to tell you guys something that's coming to come out here soon enough anyway. Our guitar player, Brian, has Parkinson's disease. Oh, oh, shit. It's it's not good. It's not good. He's really, it's really hit him hard. He's going to be, I do believe he's going to be 58 years old in a couple of weeks. He's pretty old. And about four or five years ago, he started shaking. And um, I didn't see Brian that much because we were all doing something different at the time. But he kept saying, yeah, 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 I'm shaking and stuff. And I said, really? And then we did a show three years ago in D.C. And when I saw him, he said, I'm starting to shake, man. Look. And I said, oh, yeah, I see a little bit. It was very minuscule amounts. Played the show. Everything was fine. Of course, we all went into fucking COVID lockdown. Well, last year, we played one show with October 31. And Brian said, when you see me, man, you're going to want to cancel the show, man. I can't play guitar anymore. I said, what do you mean, dude? And Brian's always been dramatic. I went down there, man. I walked in the house visually. He was sh- severely shaking and he could not stop. I hugged him. It was like hugging a washing machine that was on. It was so bad. Holy uh, shit! We went to practice. I said, well, let's see what happens to practice. He kicked ass on guitar. It was like <laughs> the greatest star player i ever been on this earth, you know? And I was like, fuck you. And he goes, what's that for? I'm sticking my metal finger up at him the whole time. Fuck you. What's that for? I said, dude, you've lost it on guitar. I said, you may not be happy in your world with what's going on in your health, but dude, you have not lost shit. We did three sets. The man did not miss a fucking thing. He's like, man, my leads are slow. I'm all fucked up. And then blah, 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 blah. I said, well, dude, what do you think, man? Do you want to do the show or not? He goes, what do you all think? I said, I don't see no fucking difference at all. I said, you're shaking when you're not playing, but when you're playing, you're playing fine. I was like, I don't know. Do you not want to go? Do you not want to be around people? And he's like, no, I don't worry about that. I said, well, let's go fucking play the show. We went and played the show a few weeks later in fucking North Carolina. He kicked ass. He was killer. And then he went home. And now he's got a girlfriend, which is now his wife. She told me, you basically came coming down here convinced him to go for it some more to try to hang in there. Now, I've heard since then, which this is talking, I think this was June, July, when we did that show last year. um, It's gotten even worse. They went to a specialist. They gave him the highest doses of Parkinson's disease medicine you can take. It does nothing. He cannot stop shaking. He says everywhere he goes, people think he's on drugs or he's fucking, something's wrong with him. You know, he's mentally fucked up or physically, he's definitely, if you were to see him, you'd all say, yes, what's going on? It'd be too weird, but I don't like, I don't, you know, I I told him I'm going to have to tell the world what's going to go on. But our plan is this. I said, Brian, let's do one more record. I said, Do you want to do one more record? He said, I do. He said, I can do it the studio because I can do it at my pace. I said, Let's do a couple of farewell shows and call it a day. Because he's like, You're not going to go on without me. I said, Dude, you and me started this band. I would never do it without you. I said, Dude, you're as much 031 as anybody. I said, You and me started this. If you can't go, no way. It's done and he said what are you gonna do i said i'm gonna start a band called november 1st of course <laughs> <laughs> but no I, and then I, then I he said that's not funny i said how about this i'm gonna call it october 30th because we're one short <laughs> <laughs> he was like i said dude because brian brian's a damn hillbilly i'm from virginia so i can call him a hillbilly he's he, he just said dude really i said dude you want to do an album he said yeah so let's do a fucking album dude i said i love you brother i've never put you in any fucking harm's way anything you want to do i said if you want to do a farewell couple shows we'll do them if you don't think you can do them we well, don't we want to do one and say hey it went pretty good let's do another i said i haven't seen you in fucking six months now i know that shit can be fucking debilitating we all know what glenn tipton and other people go through with that shit but for him to put down the guitar that's his life you know that's his that's brian's fucking magic um it's it's not looking good it's not looking good to play live, but we will. We will do an Alpharills headbanger. Banger fair. It will be a farewell record from the band. We'll call it a day. And I wish Brian all the best. And we've tried everything. We've looked everywhere for fucking answers for this guy. You know, we've looked, and it, since the medicine's not working, we're, we just keep wondering: is it something? Is it some kind of like you guys? I'm sure have seen the you know fucking uh, what is that show um, on you know Mystery Diagnosis or Monster in Me, where they don't you know all of a sudden this guy's like, oh man, I had a fucking maggot living in my brain for twelve years, and that's what was causing me to you know fucking I don't know have a third eye or whatever. <laughs> And that's what I told him. I said, dude, allergies. Oh, we went and did blood sugar. We did fucking nervous tests. We did fucking brain MRIs, everything. And the, the doctor says, you don't have the, the MRI of a, of a that usually shows up on a Parkinson's, he says, but you've got all the traits. He said, you've got it. This is a specialist out of North Carolina. And he's giving him this heavy medicine. And this medicine makes this motherfucker, like, barely awake. But <sighs> it still don't stop him from shaking. Uh. I, I said, if you drank a beer, would it calm your nerves? Nope. If you fucking ran 20 miles, would it wear it out? Nope. Doesn't work. I said, what's when's it the worst? He said, the worst it is all day is when he yawns. He said, if he yawns, he goes into this thing. And now he just told me two weeks ago that it's in his legs now. It was a, before it was in his arms and his torso and his head. Now it's in his legs.
1: Oh shit!
2: That's just awful to even wish anybody upon anybody. I, I don't think I could handle it for even a day or an hour. Right. And he's going on five years. I did tell about it. I did say, so at least you're sort of like you've built up some kind of something to it. You know, I mean, I had a stroke in 2004 and I'm living a different life on my left side of my body for my stroke. So I've learned to adjust. I mean, your body will adapt even for the better or worse. But he's like, I can hear it by playing and stuff. Can you? And I'm like, no, but I also know when I quit uh, drums for my stroke and I went back to playing, they're like, you never lost a beat. I'm like, I know I've lost a beat when I play, I can tell, but if you can't fucking tell, then did I really lose a beat? You know what I'm saying? Right. That's what I tell him. I'm like, you know, so that's where we stand. Um, People know this. A lot of people, so it's not that you know, it's not that mysterious a thing. But yeah, more people are going to know because we're going to have to make an announcement at some point. I don't have a problem talking about it. I don't think he'd have a problem with me saying something about it. Um, he's a fucking—he's a fighter. He's got a great wife. He's got great support from us as uh, band members and you know, lifelong brothers and shit. So anything he can do, he's going to do. He's getting up there in age too. hes like, Oh, Oh, my arthritis. I said, I know, dude. You're almost sixty, dude. <laughs> like you're—you're—you're you're, you're older than Archie Bunker. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But is he as grumpy as Archie Brown? He's not. He's a he's a good guy. He's a real good guy, and that's that's that greatest thing. He's he's the funnest guitar player I've ever jammed with. He's the greatest live guy there's ever been, man. When it comes to playing, I was like, man, you're upstage me. That can't that can't happen, dude. I was like, I'm supposed to be the kooky doofy one, but I was like, all right, all right, you are doofier than me, bro. I'll give you that.
1: <laughs> we do wish him the best. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. thank you guys. I'm a huge October you know fan, and uh, what we're gonna that? do we're
2: gonna do one more record here at least. I don't know exactly what's gonna happen, but. The plan is on the last, the, the, this was something be a the bass player talked about the other day. The plan is the last song we do will be something like a Mothra type of thing, like anvil, you know, like something with a giant bird. And it's going to, it's going to end up killing us at the end of the song. So well, that'll be the last song. We'll we'll literally go out with something that like eats, kills the band. Like, ah! that's the end of the record. Like the car crash, you know? And Jim's like, I like that. I was like, well, we my call the album schlock and let's just fucking go with it and do some giant bird fucking songs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. But um, I ain't got much left on the uh, questions here. Uh, anything else you want to touch, guys? Um, I don't know. How? What do you think about Chris Barnes flapping his gums again? <laughs> uh, I,
0: I, I've Chris been, Barnes. I've been fucking dying to ask you that all day.
2: Chris Barnes. I mean, you know, you know my, you know my story with six feet under, right? You know it. Everybody know it. I well, know well, uh, it. We know it. But why don't you share it again? We got asked to play a show with Six Feet Under. We were in the studio recording Feral Sunday Machines around 97. It was up in Maryland, Hagerstown area. Guy called us for motors. said, Hey, can you come help us out? Grab some of your DC guys. You guys draw really good. I got a fucking, I these guys a good amount of money and they pre sales are terrible. Who is it, Six Feet Under? Oh, it's Chris from Cannibal Corpse. So what's he, you know, how is that? He goes, I don't know. I haven't really got around him yet. I said, All right, well, you know, we played with him back in the day at the Day of Death when he was in the band, Cannibal. I was like, All right, let's come on up there. We walk up there, we get in there. Walk in, they got their gear set up. It's all the way to the fucking stage front. Nowhere to put our shit. I'm walking around like, Yeah, what's going on? What do we do? Where do we put our gear? Are they just sound check? Are they gonna take their shit down? We're putting ours up, are they gonna move it back? We'll play in front of them. What's going on? Blah blah blah. Nobody has an answer for me. So they're like, Well, I don't know. So I go to the bus, knock, nobody wants to come out and tell me nothing. So they're like, Okay, whatever. So then they're like somebody comes over and goes, Oh, you can't be in the room. They've got a thing in their contract says that nobody can be in the room under sound checking. I said, Okay. <laughs> I said, okay, okay, guys, let's go to Burger King. So we leave, we come back. Nobody's in the room again. So I see the promoter and he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, dude, what do we set up? What are we going to do? Play on the floor? What's going on here? He's like, no, you're going to play up there. I'm going to get them to move their gear back. So they fucking, you know, grudgingly fucking move their gear back. So we go on stage and I'm like, wow, this is fucking more than it should have been. And i got on stage. And I said, first off, I want to thank six feet of stage for letting us fucking have five feet of stage. <laughs> whatever i said to the microphone so we played and we were done and i walked off the stage and the promoter comes over he goes thanks man you saved the show i'm going to be able to make their money and you know i'm never going to do this again these this is a fucking headache blah, blah 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 and i said well you're having problems with me. he goes mainly chris i said what's going on he goes he's a fucking diva thinks he's aretha fucking franklin i'm like what And he goes yeah and he goes you used to or stage towels and i said oh yeah and he goes watch this. And he pulled his pants down and just wiped his ass with them and put them back up on the stage where Chris could have his stage house. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is pretty fucking weird. And I said, okay, dude, don't even worry about us. It. We're good. We're going to get out of here, man. You know, we'll leave it. Be. So we left. So then the next fucking day, someone comes, It's got in touch with me somehow. I think it was you know, obviously a phone. The internet wasn't around for me yet. And, uh, said, Hey man, Yeah, those guys are pissed. Somebody flattened two of their tires on their tour bus and fucking spray-painted deceased on it. Was that you guys? (laughs) And I said, no, it wasn't us guys. We wouldn't do that. If we had a problem with anybody, we would have gotten their face and settled it. I said, it wasn't us. well somebody. So it turned out a couple of days later came out. Some people up there were also tired of them. And maybe I guess saw what happened to us and fucking, you know, acted, acted out for the underground, you know, three cheers for the underground. And so that was where I stood with all that. I've never had to deal with Chris or any of them since, but I see what goes on. I see the way the guy fucking just treats people and shit. You know, Mr. Pothead, reggae hair, fucking whatever you want to call the dude. I think he's, a, I think he's a fucking cancer to the fucking underground, even though he's not really a part of the underground, just, you know, to be fucking strewn in with him. It's like, you know, like people say, Oh yeah, there's deceased or there's 1600 and there's Megadeth." And I'm like, please, for God's sake, don't put us in that category. Oh you know? two,
0: two out of those three, you fucking hate.
2: <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's one of those things, you know? So I just fucking was like, when I saw this stuff, you guys are talking about now, I'm like, this fucking dude just fucking—he just smoked one too many ball gets. He—he went past, the, you know, he's he's past the point of no return. You think you're better than anybody? I mean, I dude, do, I don't hardly know anybody that even listens to him, ever liked him, anything. And I swear to God, he must have pictures of Brian Sligo with a fucking clown stick up his ass or something, <laughs> because I don't understand. I mean, they really sell that much of shit? Because I don't know anybody anywhere that really you know at least in our world and it's a pretty big underground and i'm sure there's plenty of people go yeah i like six feet under they're pretty good but there can't be a person on this fucking planet that can hang with those cover albums They do. <laughs> uh, I know. It was just- that's, that's just bad. I mean, oh, yeah. but teach their own with the sound. Hey, if people like it. They like it. But as for him, what I saw recently, dude, it's just more fucking of the same kind of shit that we see from t- time to time. These big ships in the little sea, these guys think they're so cool. Go up in the fucking, go up there and hang with the fucking U2s and the Rolling Stones and the kisses of the world. The ones that really make the money. And you know what you'll do for them? You'll, they'll open their fucking pit legs you'll lick their balls clean because that's all you are up there down here you think you're the one spreading your legs on somebody to kiss your ass lick your balls fuck you fuck people like that fuck off you know fuck you and your fucking stupid everything he's a he's a fucking disgrace to fucking what we all are in this i believe we're all in this for fucking good times fucking fair everything and no fucking egos you know whether you're on one side of the stage or the other Ain't nobody better, than nobody else. We're all fucking here together, man. We're looking out, brothers, sisters, and everything else in this fucking scene, and I, that's just shit, dude. Fuck that clown.
0: No, oh, no, no. It was it was perfect timing that all this shit popped out because we knew that you were coming on today, and like yesterday, it all fucking kicked off with chris barnes flapping his gums again so it was, it was great yeah I mean,
2: I mean i mean i don't keep up with him that much i just happened to see all this uh actually uh, last night and this morning is, is he is he flapping his gums all the time and this is it just he's just flapped him a little bit more than usual this time or no he just
1: came out of nowhere with this uh the the state of death metal made him violently ill and um today on blabbermouth there was a uh the the Ticketmaster resale tickets, um Cannibal Corpse tickets are like hundred and fifty bucks or some shit like that and and he's bitching and saying that they're being rock stars and charging people hundred and fifty dollars. No, it wasn't it was the resale thing that Ticketmaster does. It wasn't Cannibal Corpse's tickets being that expensive. So he was on there flapping his gums, saying, you know, cannibals, rock stars, and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, so they're going, Jesus Christ, dude, you just sound like a grumpy old man. Yeah.
2: But, well, and he- yeah, that's, yeah, that's sort of what I saw for the most part. But yeah, I was just wondering, is this a common thing? Because I haven't, I, 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 my my, my meter is kind of down, I'll be honest with you. No, no, <laughs> oh my- no. He just <laughs> came out of nowhere in the last and, like couple days.
0: No, and honestly, it you know, I'm not a huge hate breed fan, but I like Jamie Josta's podcast. And, right? and he kind of came out and was like calling him out on this shit. And fucking Barnes did not like it at yeah, all. Like, yeah. and uh, because I guess there was some kind of like round table thing. Yeah, there was
1: a round table thing with like Black Dahlia murdering uh, Corpse Grinder and, and a bunch uh, of people talking about yeah, death like new, metal. were death metal guys and Corpse Grinder. And, and
0: Barnes came out and said the state of death metal today is a disgrace and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude. Shut the fuck
2: up! But nobody nobody he done, you. Anyway. what has she
1: done in death metal or in uh, in the underground over the last twenty years?
2: Yeah, that's that's weird. And, You know, and and you know, I could say this too. And with my experience that time, I was just talking about Hagerstown. The, the promoter did did tell me it's probably best if you guys leave because Chris won't come out. I, I, Until you guys are gone, because of what I said in the microphone, the six foot of stage and stuff. I was being genuine, dude. I was like, I was going to go in there and be like, hey, what's going on? Hey, Chris. Hey, ain't seen you in years since day of death. You know, how's everything? Blah, blah, blah. Just shoot the shit with anybody in the room. The guitar players. I'm oh you used to be in something or something. Or where do I know you from? Do I know you? Or do you want to know me or any of that? Just shoot the shit. And it was like a lockdown, man. It was like fucking lockdown. It was like, no, they're, you know, fucking Elton John cannot be bothered. You know what I'm saying? It was like that kind of vibe. It really was that kind of vibe. And that's, it's kind of one of the things that led off to so many of my fucking things. Cause I kept seeing it after that. I'd see it and I go somewhere else. I'd see it from somebody else. I was seeing it from fucking Nile and stuff. And I called them out. and Carl and us one night, you know, we fucking, well, it was us, Nile and Cannibal Corpse one time. And I was getting paid. We, we opened up the show. The guy at Jack said, yeah, man, you guys, this is a great role in Virginia of all places. It's our own thing is come on out here. Add another fucking, you know, 150 people to the fucking show. We went out there and we fucking opened. And I was, gonna, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to probably hang around because I'm not a big Nile guy to begin with. And Cannibal Corpse, I was I already seen. I like those guys. I mean, I'm fucking cool with them. We shook hands. Hey, good to see you. And stuff. Well, go, go, go do your thing. But I walked out to get paid. This guy, Bud, said, I shouldn't even give you money. I said, why? He goes, that's what that guy said. And I pointed at Carl. I said, what do you mean we shouldn't? He goes, he didn't want you guys to play. I'm like, why? He goes, I don't know. You talked to me. He was like, yeah, I don't fucking like you. You Said something bad about my band somewhere and blah, blah, blah. We were going to get into it. And I was like, you got a fucking problem. We'll settle it. And I think I called him Barney Rubble or something. And fucking, you know, I was like, and I, you know, and, and fucking, he was like, "Yeah," but then we, we, what really was crazy? And he talked we have talked since, so we're fine now. But um, what was really crazy was then. Less was standing there drinking a beer. My baseball, less—you know, old uh, Japanese, less skinny Blair Witch. Less and less is drinking a beer, and he looked at me and he said, "We could settle this outside." And he said, "I've been known to kill a man," is what he said. <laughs> and less spit his beer all over the place. Like, what did he just say? He said, "I've been." He said, "I've been known to kill." him. He was like he was gonna. He was like, kill people for us. He was hitting ass. I said, "You go outside, dude. Come on, we'll go outside the fucking parking lot right now." So we started to walk there, and he stopped and he said, "Nah, I've got to play. I'm in shorts. So I don't want to skin my knees up and shit." I'm thinking, "We ain't here to wrestle, motherfucker." I, I was going to steal him in the face <laughs> right then. And then we ended up, dude. Then we ended up at the bar for a minute. We walked outside. We got on the fucking on in their trailer. We started talking, and he's like, "Yeah, you said something bad about Nile in an interview." I said, "Yeah, I, I know what you, exactly what you're talking about." And then, and then, uh, I think it was uh, Steve came over with the fucking interview, and it, and it said, it said, um, "Yeah, how, how are you guys with your label mates like Nile?" And I said, nah, "I said Nile nah, nah don't want to know us." I said, "I said you think you know all the Egypt stuff? They know King Tuck. they don't want to know King Pharaoh." Is what I said, and, and the guy Steve said, "I think that's kind of funny." Said, it, was, it was a joke. Like I'm talking now. And he was like, that's fucked up. And I said, well, dude, you were fucking douchey to us. We played with you guys in MLH. I was like, you were like threatening to beat people up that were filming the show. I was like, that's stupid to me. I was like, you know, and he was like, well, you know, I got my entitled. I said, you are entitled. If you want nobody filming, you are entitled. I said, dude, people asked me what I thought. And that's what I said, dude. And I said, if you can't deal with that, then so be it. And then we looked at each other and then Mark from Decease knocked on the trailer fucking door. He came inside and we started talking. Next thing I know, they were, they were nobody was talking to me, and those two were talking about Brian Adams living in. And Mark used to live in Egypt. And I was like, "Oh my God, you guys are Brian Adams buddies!" I'm out of here. <laughs> and that was that was it. And that's that was but that's that happens. And it was Nile, and I had issues with Paradise Lost and, and on that Creator Morbid Angel tour. That all shit just seemed to be happening all at the same time. Like everywhere it was, like, God, these dudes are dicks. This motherfucker's a cocksucker. It's like, where's all the underground bands? The ones that we go backstage, and we're all laughing and having a good time and shooting shit. And, and you know, it, it, it was a band, um, you can't come back, not to us, but it, was, it was to Corpse Grinder, not to Corpse Grinder from Campbell Corpse, but his old band they played a show and they were, and they were backstage drinking a beer after the show. And the guy's like, you can't be back here. You know, you only have a demo out. You can't be back here. You don't even have an album out. You're a demo band. You can't be backstage backstage. is for bands with albums out. And I was like, what are you talking about, dude? I was like, these dudes played They're back here. They're having a fucking potato chip and a fucking beer. They fucking played. And it was weird. I was like, Everywhere we go, it's like this. And it really seemed like for the longest time, it got like that. And then on top of that, Matt from Relapse would come and Matt had somebody like watching me, like, hey, finally likes just start shit. I'm like, I ain't starting no shit with nobody. dude. you ask anybody? I've never started shit with nobody until shit has been started. And fucking, uh, it all, it all ended up multiplied. We were in Texas. And I was supposed to do a whole slew of fucking interviews at this festival and Matt was there. Matt made somebody go around with me and not let me answer anything or say anything, you know, out of line. I was like, motherfucking censoring me now, motherfucker, fuck your label, fuck, and all I did the rest of the day was like, relapse sucks, fuck this dude, and he was like, you know, biting his nails, like nervous about it all, I'm like, this is fucking stupid, dude, so then, as I told you guys earlier, I went on that fucking week-long tour where we just played in 2000, the same places we always played, but it was us so exhumed, origin, cephalic carnage, and then some shows, a mortician played, some shows, Dillinger, escape plan played, right, well, anyway, so we were out there, and Dylan's or escape plan, played a show with us. And they're like, yeah, man, Matt was like, watch King man. He's, he's, he's fucking crazy, man. He's fucking crazy, man. He may fuck with you because you guys aren't really his style of shit. And they were like, and they were like, dude, there's nothing wrong with you. We were, we were having a blast. I said, dude, do me a favor. I was like, well, I said, go back and tell him I fuck with you guys and tell me you're a bunch of fucking yo-boy fucking faggots or something, you know, to that effect, and fucking tell him I threw a fucking rock through your van window. Call them up, because they said we're supposed to report to them tomorrow how it went. And they went and did that for a joke, and then Matt calls me. He's like, oh, the no, fuck, dude. I told you you're a fucking dick. And I'm like, it never happened, dude. It's a joke. We're all fine. Everything's okay, Dad. We're okay. You know, we've got we've got our toothbrush and our fucking shaving cream. We're okay, buddy. And he was like, "That's fucked up." I'm like, "No, he's fucked up. What you're doing?" He was literally having people keep an eye on me. Jesus Christ. I mean is that is that and, and, and but not paying any our royalties bitching about we don't make you know we're not making any sales won't put us on tour we finally get tour shirts made for them to go on tour the, the, that little tour we we're supposed to get them at this place called Smiler Coogan's in fucking Illinois we're inside going damn they never even mailed the shit here and all of a sudden a guy comes inside and he goes is somebody in here is band called diseased I said deceased he said yeah he goes your tour shirts are out in the street. The guy just threw them in the street, and they're all over in the sewer. They got leaves and fucking rain all over them. We went outside, and all our tour shirts were in the gutter. The person that dropped them off just literally threw them in the fucking side of the street.
1: Jesus.
2: So, but 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 he's got time to have fucking you know fucking uh, chai private eye fucking keep an eye on me, you know. <laughs> so that's just—I mean, that's just the world, dude. I mean, how how asinine is, is what I'm saying, you know?
0: Wow, well, re- reaching a little back. So, I mean, you've never been shy, like you have said before, about your opinions. I, I wanted to kind of touch on kind of some of the black metal stuff. Like, so, because you just recently posted about a show. Was it 930 Club?
2: It was at Phantasmagoria, the Immortals, the Terracon. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, Like, have you guys ever had any really. So, you did, what was it, King Doomstone? That was your black metal project.
2: Oh, it was called Doomstone. Or Doomstone.
0: And like, did you guys have any good experiences with black metal bands? Well, th- this was
2: this was the thing. I didn't really had any bad experiences. I had no experiences. I was just reading what I was reading on interviews and things at the time, and it seemed like these these bands were like the new school of glam bands. Like, it seemed like it was all about the look and the image before the music. And I was like, I grew up with Merciful Fate and Venom. That was my black metal, and Bathory, and even the lesser, you know, even the phony bands like uh like exorcist and shit like that uh, that was the, that was the first wave and uh i basically was like yeah this is where i'm at because the music's got it too i'm not even into the music i said some of this is the fast stuff i appreciate because i like speed but i just couldn't get into it so we formed this band called doomstone for shits and giggles and we one of the music to be taken seriously because it was but we were having fun with it like we made up names like my name was cross turner upside downer <laughs> okay <laughs> And Lessons was keeper of the Brazilian death metal albums, you know, and we had urinator of the holy graveyards. It was all done for fun. And we just put in there, you know, don't take yourself so fucking, you know, seriously in this shit. And, you know, stop acting like this is what it is because it is what it is. But then the thing you're talking about that I put up, what, what happened was a club called Phantasmagoria. We played there many times, recorded our live album there in 2000. But, uh, but uh, we uh, were sitting in there. And we went to go to a show one night and Bobby, the owner is an old hippie. He goes back to the Woodstock days and he goes, King man, I got a bone to pick with you. I said, what's that? He said, this band, these bands that are playing tonight, do you know them?" I said, not really. I said, what, why, what's up? He said, they're a bunch of fucking ass pirates. They're fucking clowns. You know, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, dude, they're fucking everything about them. is just unprofessional. They're, it's awful. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, I'm ready to cancel. He goes, they're fucking, they, they think they are owed the world. I said, well, welcome to the underground. He goes, well, you guys don't act like that. And he goes, and you guys packed my house. He goes, he goes, what should I do? And I said, well, what, what do you mean exactly is going on? He goes, dude, these guys, whoever they are, have a problem with these guys. He's pointing at Satyricon. He's pointing at a mortal. And then he goes, they got on a bus. They started emailing each other on the bus instead of talking to each other in person about all this stuff. And they were having issues. And I went over to him. I said, look, I don't know what your issues are, but we've got times and you've got to do your sound check. and I've got doors and all this stuff that got to be done. Get it together. And I just told him, I said, I'll, I'll, do my best to fucking, you know, lend a hand. I went over and said, hey guys, this guy's fucking good guys. It's a good club, it's a good, you know, PA, everything. Get your shit going. They're like, oh, the roof's not tall enough to burn and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, dude, just set your shit up and fucking play your show, dude. Then they were all in the bathroom doing their fucking hair and fucking all this shit. I'm like, dude, I'm serious. This, you can't be sitting here fucking doing your hair right now. You know, there was a couple of black metal bands. We used to play with this one called Black Mass, and I, I used to do that shit. I'm like, dude. Stop spraying and start playing. They're in there spray hair spraying their hair. I'm like, get out there and fucking go, dude. So the guys were like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So all I did was put up on that thing the other day was I was saying these fucking bands were so unprofessional. They they fought the world and they, they were coming through and these guys had were selling ten times, you know, what most of us underground bands were selling. They were selling you guys know those bands were selling like a motherfucker immortal in the con at the time. But they were unprofessional and just that way. As for black metal in general, I mean I know people play that shit and stuff and it could be the same thing with anything, like I say saying earlier my my opinion's my opinion you don't like my fucking man on the phone if somebody says that bands i like right now Voivod sucks king they eat shit i fucking i know snake likes to you know fucking lick midgets you know okay (laughs) okay doesn't i doesn't have to hang the phone up with you or call you a name when i hang up the phone you know what i'm saying life is life it is what it is but these guys were so taking the shit so seriously and like but not like professionally there's a difference like they were just being too full of themselves so that's where all that, that that angle came from musically. I didn't like much of that stuff at all. Never never did nothing for me. Again, some of the drumming, some of the speed, didn't really care for the riffs. Kind of thought the riffs weren't all that. Um, if I was to pick a band from that second wave that I really liked, I would have to go with Masters Hammer. Oh, I always nice. liked them. I really liked the first Ritual record. I think that's neat and unique. You know, there'd be some things here and there I like could, you know, if I really sat down. But for the most part, it just came on and was like wee, 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 we ah we ah we. You just thought you watched an episode of Little Rascals that featured Froggy, you know?
0: (laughs) And you just did a top 10 record right there.
2: (laughs) There you go. You guys record decks? That's my new demo. (laughs) Well, I mean. Upside down penis.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you did you guys play with a lot of those bands like over the years or we, we have
2: I mean when we played when we played at Fox and Immortal was on there and some of those bands but to be close with them not really for the most part we've we've passed I, mean, I could tell you uh, I can't think of their fucking name right now but my son would tell me on the internet yeah these guys are talking so much shit about you and deceased you suck and fuck you and all this stuff right and I was like well who is it and he was letting me name I can't I can't usually my memory's good on this shit but I can't remember the name of this band right now because again black metal's not really in my world but so we went to play a show at the Hell's Headbangers. Remember the, the, the fest they did a couple years ago. Do you guys know about that? That Hell's Hells Bash? Hell's Headbash. No. Head Bash? Don't or, know. There was there was one, it was like a two day thing, and they had of course you know they have a very varied um, catalog. And we were on there, both October and Deceit played there. But one of the bands that was on there was the band that talked all this shit. And I'm backstage talking to somebody shooting the shit like we are right now. And everything was fine. And my son came back there and I, my son is me 20 years younger. Okay. And my son said, Oh, here you are. He's like, Oh, you're cool to my dad to his face. But on the internet, you said this and that. And then he guy was stumbling over his words. Now and he was like, Oh yeah, you talked all this shit about him, but here you are back here licking his ass. You know, that's what my son will fucking say, you know, out loud. My son's not afraid either. <laughs> and so, uh, that i was like oh these are the guys i said oh, you said it you said it i said you're not saying it to my face so really all it is is you know it's internet talk you know it's i always say there's plenty of fucking you know we all know there's internet warriors that sit there with their fucking lip and ice tea and <laughs> i'm fucking strong as a motherfucker right now right <laughs> but I mean- i've mean, i dealt with it all i've had I, you know i've i've got friends and enslaved and shit like that buddies and that shit and stuff we're cool and stuff i mean uh, nice everybody we've played with everybody i'm sure if i went back in time i'm sure we played with denny borgia and fucking all those bands at some point somewhere in time you know it's like it's like the dying fetus guys i think dying fetus is one of the worst fucking bands that ever came out in the world i can't stand that style of music and i'll tell them but but we're i assume we're still jokingly friends i mean i've known sean before he was ever in it and i know john and all that shit and if was in that it was our roadie for years but i mean but I don't like it. And they can say deceased, you know, eat shit and work tampon metal or whatever. I don't give a fuck. It's, it's, it don't mean shit to me. It's if, you know, it's how you say it and what you do, you know?
0: Well, and nobody has to like everything.
2: And No, and- we're all, you we can be friends. I can sit here and go into, I can name 30 bands right now. You guys, that shit sucks, gang okay <laughs> that's why you're you and i'm me it's why you get your name and i get my name so we can be ourselves
0: well and you always say on your post like hey this just ain't my thing if you like it that's cool
2: to like, each their own that's that- my slogan to each their own and, and and it's how you go about it too you can you could disrespect people in in a way or you can play the room and you're like oh king's just talking it up because he's just playing to the crowd no no i'm not <laughs> playing to the crowd i'm not trying to be the joker in the deck you know what i'm saying i'm not that fucking guy I'm just honest. If, if it happens, it happens. Otherwise, I don't like it. If there's things I don't like that I've never even had no uh, association with Megadeth. I didn't like the music when it came out. had no reason to like them or not. Started disliking the guy because of the things I watched come out of his fucking mouth and fucking say and do. Just yeah. thought, man, I don't want to be like this guy. Guns and Roses can't stand them. Think they suck shit. Fucking don't like nothing about them. Didn't have a problem with them as people. Axl Rose is a fucking cocksmoker and fucking this and that. So, yeah, now I just think he's that way. You know, I, I got people that – here's an example. Steve Harris. To most people in the world, think he's one of the nicest people, okay? I met Steve Harris, who is my musical idol. I met him two years ago at a little club with his British Lion band, okay? Up there at the uh, – are you guys familiar with the Chameleon Club? Oh, yep. Then, yep. Yeah, okay. Well, that's where they played, okay? I went up there with my buddy. We we stood in line. I, and my wife said, you're going to – I said, well, I'm not big on British Lion. I said, I'll give it a shot live. I said, on record, it's not really good. It's a little alternative-y with a little bit of old 70s UFO to it. I'm going – Oh, well, you got to meet Steve. I said, "You're right. I got to go meet Steve." The word was he was coming out after shows. Okay, and meet people. I said, "Okay, well, I'm going to go and going to get something signed because he's my idol. He is my idol." I went up there. I walked in the room. We watched. Uh, first off, it was the afternoon. We were outside. A friend of mine said, like, I just met Steve Harris. He's over at the bar wa- uh, watching soccer games. He signed 12 things for me. He walked away. He's a friend of mine, but he can be a pain in the ass. And a guy said, yeah, Steve was, was really getting a little bit, you know, had enough of that guy because he kept saying, okay well, can you sign this napkin for my sister? Can you sign this matchbook for my band? Like just going on and on because he had him there. He's like, you know, it kind of got to the point where he was being rude to Steve. I said, yeah, I get it. So I, I didn't even go over there. I didn't fuck with him. I said, get him after the show, so we watched the show. They went on stage. It was, I think, it was January or February of that year. It was fucking freezing out. It was hot in the club. They played two fucking hours. Okay, they finished about one o'clock in the morning. I watched Steve Harris from Iron Maiden, the man worth probably two hundred million dollars himself, take his fucking bass amp when he finished, carry it off the stage, take his bass gear off the off the stage. Nobody did this for the man. Okay, he just played two hours. They probably played twenty songs. He went backstage and people were like, He's not coming out. They gotta be in New York at four o'clock. You gotta get a bus. They're gonna be at four o'clock in New York. They're not coming out. Damn, I love all nights. And I'm like, oh well. I'm like, well, let's just wait until they leave and make sure. And all of a sudden guy told me he said they're gonna come out. Steve said he's not leaving without meeting the people. I said, All right. And I said, which door? He said, Oh, it's gonna be that one or that one. So I took one door and my buddy took the other door so we could get close on the line because there was a lot of people waiting. So he came out the one I was at. I walked up, I told him, I said, dude, I've liked you since I was skinny. I don't know he said hey man I said capital center fucking t- you know I saw you number the beast blah blah we just talk from there I'm trying to be quick and of course you guys know I talk faster than the speed of light so I'm like dude quick picture blah 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 yep absolutely and then he said to me I said I'm glad you came out to I said Steve that's why you're my fucking idol dude I said you've made all this money and you're still fucking down to earth he said it's always going to be about the punters he said I wish I could do more of this we could never do this with Iron Maiden he said that's why I'm doing it with British Lion so I can fucking go back to being in the bar being up on the people in front of me none of the fucking the you know, the fucking ticket master or the fucking fence and the security just balls and knuckles, you know, like we're just right under the shit. And I walked out of that fucking dude, I drove home, freezing ass fucking car with no heat in it that night, and I was I was almost in tears of joy. I was like, I met my fucking idol and he was the nicest fucking man. And he's everything I always thought he would be because he's my idol. Cause he never changed, he never changed his look. He never changed his attitude. He, they made and made it through music. They were never a radio band. They never sucked the ass of the witch. Like all these other bands did when alternative was in or grunge was in or Pantera was in, they didn't go that route and it just did their thing. So I met him and it was like the fucking coolest thing for me. So that's like where where I come from that that's where it comes from. You got to keep that fucking to the ground. I know I'm no, I'm not even a, I'm not even his toenail, but you know, I've done this a long fucking time myself and you just do what you do. And if you keep the spirit and you're respectful to any and everybody, but if somebody's not going to respect you back, then you have every right to fucking have an opinion uh, or a feeling or a vibe. But what I'm getting at with all this is a girl told me, she goes, I met Steve Harris. He was the biggest fucking dick I ever met. I said, really? Why? And she said, he was just a dick and I, it was on the it was on my page it was a scroll and everybody's like i'm that cool as shit and 877 people in a row were like he was super nice oh man i've never heard that in my life well she had she got that one day probably you know what i'm saying so everybody's entitled to that day even if it did or didn't happen but that day can't become every day can't become every other day, every third day. It's too much, and it's not for you. Because if you're going to be in this, you're going to be around people, as you guys know. We're talking now, getting up to them, be like, "Yeah, hey, King, I fucking tell you, fucking, I love fucking Immortal. Why do you say they suck or blah blah blah?" And then it changes everything. Or you're like, "Yeah, I get it. You don't like it, I do." You know, that's that's what it's about. It's all a respect thing. It's how you process the information. You know?
0: No, no, true, and 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 you've always been pretty respectful of other people's opinions, which most
2: people aren't dude. I love Jim. Jim's my, one of my best friends in the world and fucking October 31. I'm not a wild heaven wet guy, but I love the fucking hell out. I'm glad they're doing good. I'm glad they got to tour the world and see things. I'm glad every one of my friends bands make it. doesn't mean have to love each other. shit. you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, it's just like, yeah, go do it. Go have fun. You know, Jim's got a band now, just stone whiskey. It's kind of like up there in your guns and roses. You kind of hair bar rock kind of stuff. He's having fun with it and shit. Go do it, man. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what I think or anything. I'm, I may come out and do a No Doubt band. <laughs> <laughs> I might start dressing like Gwen Stefani. Please I'm don't sure do you guys that. don't want to see that. I'm sure you don't want to see that. But that's a band I love. You know what I'm saying? I, I've
1: never had a problem with No Doubt. I think Which I'm just out. saying.
2: Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I mean, it's just, it is. We like what we like, and there's nothing wrong with that. We can sit here all night. We could get so fucking sidetracked. I talk to people, we're on something. Next thing you know, we're talking about... Shit, that's how me and Brian got together he was like I got a band called uh Overlord we wouldn't play with deceased we're kind of death metal they got a demo called Dahmer's Diner 20 minutes later we're like let's form a band dude like you're right dude, like it's like a like a heavy metal early 80s how you right like a heavy metal thing but like a little bit of that like catchy song and we got so sidetracked I only talked to this guy for the first time ever 20 minutes next thing you know he's coming to my house and we have a band you know <laughs> And now here it is, here it is fucking 27 years later since he made that phone call. And we're still best of friends and going through life and men and justice and, yeah, I don't know, fight the American way, whatever the hell I'm trying to say.
0: <laughs> you know, one of the things I kind of wanted to jump into quick before we let you go. Sure. Is your record and 8-track collection. Like I am, like I said, I've had the pleasure of seeing it in person and it it's, Fucking phenomenal! Like the the A track collection you have with the Iron Maiden stuff, just those Iron Maiden A tracks alone. That's, are that, really her, so.
2: that first one's crazy. That story, that that A track is not only is it a, a rare A track, but it's also one of the rarest Iron Maiden collectors pieces for people that collect Iron Maiden in general, whether it be a beer can, a record, or a you know a shirt. Uh, it's if you can find it mint. Usually, it goes for about a thousand bucks. Okay, so. We, me and my wife are somewhere, and I'm out my eight tracking, you know. And most people in the world are like, what the fuck's an eight track nowadays? So I went into this out of the blue. We went to this antique store, and I'm walking around. I said, "You guys got any eight tracks?" She goes, "Yeah, we got a box them over there." I went over there, and she's like, "Here, it was cassettes." I said, "No, these are called cassettes. So that's not an eight track. That's no, a cassette." And then she goes, "Well, what's an eight track?" I said, "Well, it's a little bit bigger." I said, "You know, it's more like a book-looking size, maybe a little smaller than a book." She's like, "Oh, I don't know, Gladys, do we have these?" She said, "We got a couple over there on the stand." okay so i went over there i was like okay here we go eddie money meatloaf fall cat don't need them got them if i wanted them so i'm like thank you guys have a great day so i'm walking out and my wife says look on that lamp over there there's something looks like an a-track there's like two of them over there i said let me go look i walk over there ted nugent free-for-all is the first one i pick it up iron maiden first iron maiden a-track
0: Oof.
2: and i'm like oh my god this is it and i don't want to act too crazy i don't know what they're going to ask for it. So I go over there and I said, what do you, I said, I'm going to get this. And what do you need for it? She goes 25 cents. And then the girl goes, Hey, you know what that is? That's an eight track. That's not 25 cents. It's 75 cents. (laughs) I said, Oh, I'll give you a dollar. I said, I just want to have it. You like the picture. Oh, that's spooky looking. I went home, boy. I fucking, (laughs) I I checked myself. (laughs) (laughs) And it, and I freaked out too because I was like, I just got the one one of the rarest eight tracks and then I made one I needed forever for under a dollar. Wow. And uh, yeah, but I mean, what how it went when I was a kid? It was there was a store. I guess I don't know how old you guys are, but Woolworths. Do you remember Woolworths? Oh yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Woolworths is a store I grew up with, and they had a mall Seven Corners in Virginia. I go up there, and they always had their eight tracks for like eighty eight cents. And back then, that's about nowadays money it's about 250 three dollars i guess but uh i could afford that so i went in there and i'd always find anything it was rock and we're talking late 70s here i got ufo out of there i got um ted nugent out of there i've got um what else did i get out of there jethro toll that kind of like late 70s kind of shit and i was a judas priest things like that were 88 cents so i could buy records. And I got the player and I go around and walk the neighborhood with eight tracks. And I always had this thing for them because it was basically my first thing I could afford as a kid. I bought a lot of my music. Okay. So years later, I got rid of the stuff for the most part. I didn't ever really have a lot, but I moved on into my records and turned into CDs and so on. And I still had a couple. I always kept and it was like mob rules, black Sabbath, uh, go Go's. I think I had something like the go. I know a couple of t- covers. I always liked. I just sat there like to remember the times anyway. So, one day I went to I, this is how it goes. I was one day I went down to this flea market with my wife. We love flea marketing I'm always looking for shit from way in the past. And I go over to this box of eight tracks and I open this box. I said, look at this. And she said, What is it? I said, Judas Priest screaming for vengeance. I was like fucking scorpions, blackout fucking Iron Maiden number of the Beast—they were all in this box. And it, and it was a full. And I told the lady, what do you want for this? She said, five bucks. I said, I'm buying them. She said, but you got that shit on CD and record. And I said, <laughs> I'm just buying them for old time's sake. So I started going. And, and next thing I know, dude, it became a fucking habit with me again. And I went everywhere and I just started collecting. because nobody. Cause nobody was talking about eight tracks. I was like, it's not really a fucking, nobody else is in out there to get, get me, you know what I'm saying? To get these before me. Yeah. Well, you know, I, know, fucking... man, I had to build up my collection again. And now, in the last, we'll say the last eight years, I probably got fucking like six thousand eight tracks
0: <laughs> Yeah, and I think I seen just like a portion of that. Like you have a whole wall of them there by that front window, like that I saw, and you were showing me the maiden ones, and then and and your records, like your fucking record collection is just unreal.
2: Well, the the record here's the story with the record collection. I had at the most I ever had was 18,000 records. Okay. That goes back about 25 years ago. Now, over the last time from now to here, it's a lot less. It basically, uh, I sold some, I got some on CD. I moved on. Currently I only have about 2,500 records out of 18,000, but it kept me from having to do a lot of day job and shit and all that kind of stuff. since, so basically, um, it, it really kind of kept me out on the road when I wanted to play music. I didn't have to do so much. And, and I'm not a collector of gold watches or cars or expensive stuff. I like my DVDs and I like my music and that's about as far as it goes. Make sure my wife and family's got heat in the winter and air in the summer. But anyway, so, uh, I got about 2,500 records right now. I still got about 5,000 CDs. If you, if you, the thing I have the most of these days, if we're talking about quantity kind of shit, I've got about 20,000 DVDs. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, I'm a I'm a movie collector, man. I'm a big movie guy.
0: Well, I, What are your walls about? Nine feet high, eight feet high.
2: They are. I'm standing downstairs in it now. They're about ten foot.
0: Oh, ten, so you got and and those fucking walls are lined floor <sighs> to ceiling oh, with movies. I-
2: yeah, I'm in my living room right now. I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I've got 13 uh, racks of DVDs filled to the rim. I've got two more racks out in the, in the laundry room. So I have 15 racks. On average, each one has about 1,500 on it. Um, I got the Kiss Mom machine here. I got, a whole, I got a big-ass bookshelf here I keep up. The whole walls are covered with memorabilia from Iron Maiden, Power Slave, Tapestries, to fucking... What's this? Samantha Fox autograph pictures. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> a- a- anything horror, leather faces over here, all the rainbow posters, just whatever. My wife's got her coffin bookshelf and we got our, you know, that's kind of what we do these days. But yeah, I mean, I, I love doing that stuff. I mean, I'll be honest. I wouldn't, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to say all my fucking stuff when I was younger, I was a crook, dude. We used to go out and steal like a motherfucker. We, we lived on that shit. You read my book, so you know this. Oh yeah. Um, we we up till I was about late twenties, maybe even thirty years old. We went out stealing, and I would go out and you know, I'm going to run out of this store with forty eight records at one time. So a lot of those records came that way. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I have in the last twenty five years, I have busted my ass to have everything I have now. But you know, back then it was what it was. Never never took from many of the fucking underground soldiers, mostly from the what I call the man never stole from friends none of that kind of shit never was that kind of guy not happy about any of it but can't embrace it it's just something that happened you know what i'm saying Right. So that's where a lot of that stuff came from. A lot of this was CDs and stuff. The DVDs I weren't even out then. So I'm, I've am i been, this is all money I've spent on that shit, but I don't drink. I don't drug. I don't fool around. You know what I'm saying? I fucking don't, I don't throw a tin can away, $3 tin can all day long, which I'm meaning by that. I don't buy a bunch of beer. And at the end of the day, I spent $30 on beer, but I don't have nothing to show for it except of, you know, bad farts. <laughs> <laughs> So that, yeah, that it was fun when it lasted. And I always love my music, dude. I've gone down and stuff because some of the stuff I have on CD or some of it, I just didn't need a lot of that stuff too was trades and stuff. There was a lot of black metal in there that when I used to do trades with Germany and stuff, when I had my old metal records really rolling, they'd send me tons of shit. I'm like, do I really need Ceremonial Oath or Agaloc or whatever? I don't even know how to pronounce those bands. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, no. So I'd trade them, sell them, whatever I did with it. Right what? now, my latest thing is I've been collecting again the fucking the, the, um, video discs, which are kind of like laser discs. I don't even have the player anymore that works. I'm just collecting them because I like the way they look. I'm looking at them now. I'm looking at the planet of the apes and dirty Harry and phantasm, American werewolf in London, bad boys. Like I just like to have them. Cause it's just something to do. My wife's like, you're just spending money. She's like, you have all those on DVD and she doesn't mean it not to get them. she It's funny to her. Just like, we'll go to the drive in five hours away to see a movie that's sitting right on the shelf right here. You know what I'm saying? She's like, we want to draw. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's drive the fucking Cincinnati try their driving out and let's go see, I don't know, return of the living dead, you know, <laughs> this plan. That's what we do. That's you got to do something you to live, you know? And I, and I like doing stuff like that. It relaxes me and keeps me going. And when I'm not doing that, it's always about the band. You know, that's the fucking, that's the main thing for me. That's my life, family and music. That's it. You know, friends, family, music. And we consider you a family member. So, well, oh, I'm thinking, I think you guys too. I mean, you got to see easy to talk to. No, no bullshit. There's no middle ground here. None of that shit. No, we're. You know, I, don't, I don't know. I just want to fucking, I just want to have a good time. I want everybody to be happy and healthy, man. Fucking lost a dear friend to fucking COVID yesterday, man. Oh, shit. I think you saw it on my page. My buddy, Eric, he got got COVID, got pneumonia from it. Three weeks in the hospital, got out, got, lost the COVID, kept the pneumonia, went back to the hospital, died in the hospital.
1: Oh, Early
2: fifties, ton, ton of kids. Great right. wife. Yeah, it sucks, right. and I and also just lost a friend to heroin. I'm like twenty eight year old girl I knew. I'm like, oh my god, what is wrong? God, it, it just oh. breaks my heart. Well, no. I know vices, vices are vices. You know, I fucking gave all my drugs up when I was fucking nineteen, and I gave up my drinking when out twenty years ago this year. So, oh
0: wow, congratulations on that.
2: Thanks. I mean, I just—I mean, I just like life too much. Everybody's like, "Oh, you live forever." No, we don't know that. No, (laughs) when fucking lights go out, you might just stay out. You know.
0: (laughs) Well, like you said, I mean, Brian Patterson—he was another one. COVID.
2: Brian Patterson. Here's the Brian Patterson. We were all we're. I had my raffle, you know, my raffles, I do. Oh yeah. I had my raffle. He won a creator CD, a rare creator two on one, the original press. I was going, going through all my fucking PayPal. the people that sent in the money, I didn't get his, I sent it to him. I said, Hey man, I didn't get it. So I sent it. I said, well, I didn't get it. He said, I'll send it again. So well, if I get two, I'll send you one back. No worries. Send it to me. I said, thanks. 20 minutes later, his brother's on the thing saying, my brother just got admitted to the hospital. He's got COVID and uh, pneumonia and two blood clots in his lungs. And I typed them back and he right, got right back to me, which was weird. So I was, I was like, well, it can't be that bad. He's got the phone in his hand. And then he, I said, you got COVID you in the hospital? He's like, yeah. I said, dude, I'm sending your money back. First off, get better, dude. Feel good. Dude, I'm not worried about this fucking money, dude. It's a gift. I love you, buddy. He said, all right, thanks a lot, man. You know, you don't have to do that." I said, I want to do it. That's why I'm doing it. So hung up, hung up the, 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 the message hour later, just checked in. I said, how you doing, man? He said, the pain's a 10 out of a 10. And I said, okay, man, well, feel good, dude. The Next morning, how you doing? Dead, gone. That's how quick it was. Oh, and that's all it was for my friend, Eric. His wife said he's on, they're going to put him on the machine. They're thinking he can make it through this. She said, I went there. I saw him. The oxygen was like at 60. He was having a hard time thinking because you know, your brain's not getting what it needs. And uh, I said, well, if you think he's getting better, you were just there. She said, I got him to eat a piece of a sandwich, and but he can't breathe. He's, you know, he's choking out, blah, blah, blah. And, and, then it was, and then yesterday morning I got a call from a guy and he said, yeah, Eric's not doing good. I said, did he pass away? He said, I think so. I said, do you know so? Or do you think so? He said, I think so. I said, well, that's not no. So I'm not saying anything. Tried to call his wife. She didn't answer. I finally got a message back from his daughter. She said he passed away at 10 one yesterday. So that's so quick and it, no drinking, no drugging was not vaccinated had diabetes. That's what's that was. Diabetes is a big thing with COVID. If you guys don't know that
0: yeah oh yeah uh,
2: that's one of the worst things you can possibly have with that that and wait
0: yeah yeah this shit's been a bitch man thank fuck it's we're kind of on the downside of it we're,
2: we're hoping you know yeah i mean we're, we're hoping I, I you know again like i said at the beginning of this phone call i don't know what's right or wrong i want to tell nobody right or wrong thing to do I, I wonder if he should have been vaccinated would it helped him if not Maybe was going to go either way. I don't know. Nobody knows. Ten years from now, we might all have f- fifteen eyeballs that got vaccinated. I got vaccinated to play music. I didn't. You know, I told the lady, I said, "I'm going to get the vaccination. I'm not worried about what's in it because I've drank motor oil. I've had plenty of horrors. <laughs> you know, God knows what they gave me in my fucking heyday. You know, I said. I told her, I said, I don't know if you guys we talked, but I was like, it's brown dope, meaning it's basically nothing. <laughs> it's like go ahead, shoot the brown dope in me, <laughs> let, the, let it ride. So. I did it so I could play shows because they wouldn't let us go and play shows. And after I tell you all that, what I told you earlier too, all six shows, nobody even asked me if I was vaccinated. <laughs> after <laughs> they said, they're going to ask you every show if you're vaccinated and you got a proof or you won't be able to play. would won't even be able to come into the club. And I get there and nobody cares. <laughs> wow. So that makes me wonder who doesn't care and how far down the line any of this stuff is actually being done that way. And now we're back to that question from earlier, like as we go forward. Okay, oh, can I get into the show? I don't know, dude. I wish I knew. I don't even know what's going to happen. We may go there and play. We, when we went to New York, it was a very small turnout because people were scared of COVID. We went to D.C. It was sold out, as I told you. That was expected. Philadelphia didn't know what to expect. We showed up on a Sunday night. It was outdoors. It was fucking packed. It was the best show of the three. But New York's really usually really good for us, but they were really scared that night. It was a very small turnout, but we had to get back to it somehow. We, I told Obama in August, that said, we might play it over the wall. Whatever happens, happens. I'm just happy to be here, man. <laughs>
1: nice and, that, and that's kind of the way it should be i mean you know just be happy to be on a stage
2: again that's what it's about i mean i'm not looking for a pat on the back or shit i don't give a fuck i just want to play we will, um if you're asking anything for you know for the future and stuff we are going to be putting together there'll be announcements announcement soon we're going to go out on a little bit of a tour um, can't go through all the details yet but uh in june we're gonna have some stuff going on. We got a few festivals we're playing. We're doing the benefit for Brian Patterson in um, April. We got a show. We got a show that's gonna be announced soon in Atlanta in March. We do a. Where's the ahead.
0: Where's the show for Brian at? Is that up in Rochester?
2: It's actually no. It's actually in. It's actually in Brooklyn. Oh, they Brooklyn. Went with Brooklyn for it. Yeah, they went with Brooklyn. I couldn't tell you the name of it. I can send you the message when I'm off the phone. When I can get to the flyer, I can't think of the name right now. But we're playing there in April um with massacre they got a few uh, secret bands they're gonna announce soon i gotta keep that quiet till they announce it um may we're not doing shit june we're gonna we're gonna go out and do uh we're gonna play john McIntyre's north carolina festival his chainsaw massacre north carolina thing us uh, and i think there's like nuclear assault and uh, i think demolition hammer and nasty savage yeah I, think, saw you, two days.
0: What, I saw you guys are playing with first jason at that show too
2: yeah. First Jason, that's right. They're, they're on there. We're doing that. And then we're going on this tour in June and we're going to be playing a festival at the end of July in um, Ohio, which isn't announced yet. And then we're going to be doing a couple other things after that, but that's what we're going to get rolling here. And I'm just hoping like the clubs keep up, you know, if we're not in, like a nightly thing, like, Oh my God, you can't get in or you can't get in or you oh, can't do this or this guy's coming and he can't get in. I just hope it's not like that. Cause that's a, that's a nightmare.
0: Yeah, I think you're safe. It seems to be going the other direction at this point. It, I, I can't foresee it going back the other way.
2: I would I would hope not. You know, I mean, I know we saw this, you know, these variations are just so crazy. And at all, when you were saying earlier about the Kiss show in Allentown, that's kind of when it just started. Because that day of that Kiss show was when my son's my son's son was born that day. I was actually at the hospital that afternoon. I said, yeah, we're going to Kiss tonight. And she just had the baby that afternoon. And I went there, and then we're starting to hear about this COVID thing. And I was sitting there looking at all these people going, well, you motherfuckers have that shit. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, yeah, it wasn't but a couple of- – a couple, couple. couple days long after that then yeah. it all it shut exactly. the fuck down
2: yeah now you're totally right you know what I re- remember most about that show I did enjoy Kiss don't get me wrong I remember fucking David Lee Roth looked like, looked like Don Knotts <laughs>
0: <laughs> in a fucking skin tight shiny outfit the yeah, funniest
2: thing—the funniest thing about all that was when we went in there. That was a—that was a—that was a good place to see a show because it wasn't small, but it wasn't big at all, as you can tell. We we walked down there. We, we walked into the first door we came to. I was like, "Yeah, this is where we're sitting." I was like, "We're already to our seats." I was like, "That's cool." I said, "Let's go to the snack bar." So we walked over to the snack bar. And me and my wife get a couple waters or something for the show. David Lee Roth was in the snack bar line. He was the in the fuck out. dude he got two he got two popcorns he got two fucking popcorns he came out the side and he literally walked over and most people didn't even realize it was him i'm like that's uh, I, I know i was like that's david roth oh. and he even had those crazy pants on already and i was like that's david roth he got the two popcorns he turned around and walked out he wasn't even looking like to you know for someone to say hey that's david roth we didn't say shit he just turned around and walked the other way well. not that he was being anything he just he that's all he did you know
0: well, I mean, he looks a lot more like Ellen DeGeneres these days than he does David <laughs> a Roth. But
2: yeah, I, I see. I keep seeing Ralph Furley. <laughs> but, it, it, was, it was, it was, it was. I mean, I don't wanna, I mean, we all get old and stuff. But man, he was barely moving. And he was trying to do all that stuff, lift those legs, and it took him like what eight minutes or nine minutes to get from one side of the stage to the <laughs> other. <laughs> those, <laughs> those kicks were not sharp at all. Where were you guys were on the other side? I was sitting like right off the floor. If you were in the back, if you were looking at the show from the, say, the last row of the seats on the floor, I was right off the floor right there. Like just kind of coming up on that first little grid.
0: We were just right next to Gene Simmons. We were like kind of yeah. level with Gene Simmons. You were on the
2: other side of me then probably all I call it the horseshoe because there's no back to that place. Kind of, wow. like You hit a wall at some point, right?
0: No, that's not. You know what? That venue's actually not half bad for sound because we seen Elton John there too, and he was fucking excellent.
2: I see. Dude, smart. I would. I, I like the place. It wasn't. It, it was kind of weird where it was. I was like, yeah, it's really on the literally in the middle of the city. It was kind of odd. I didn't know what to expect. And uh, my buddy Steve he said he'd been up there and saw. Because like, I think he said he saw Slayer, Testament, or some shit up there. Something was up there of the heavier side. And he was like, yeah, it's not bad. You'll like it. Mm. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. I wish they would. I wish more shows would be there. It's not that hard for me to get to.
1: Yeah, I seen priests there, and it was amazing. It was right after they
2: opened, too. Did you you ever been to that one sh- um, place? It's a it's a university. I saw Queensrÿch, Black Sabbath, and um, Alice Cooper there. It's uh, it's like I think it's like exit like off the turnpike. It's I think it's right around 302.
1: Yeah, yeah. The uh, Leha it's uh, Lehigh University.
2: Yeah, Stable Arena. Stable
1: Arena. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that's it. You guys been in there?
1: Oh
0: yeah, yeah I seen Queensrÿch on empire with warrior soul there they did like all of operation oh yeah yeah, crime.
2: Uh, yeah I, I saw that at baltimore there. civic center i saw him twice once with the warrior soul at baltimore civic center and once at george mason with suicidal tendencies that was the other time i saw him there oh, but shit. you didn't go to you didn't go to that show where it was, where it was heaven and hell queens reich and alice cooper
1: oh no no they that had one. that they had that here in Reading. So, oh okay yeah it was queens Heaven heaven hell
2: alice cooper and <sighs> Well, maybe, like maybe, maybe, maybe that's where I seen him where you're talking about then what what exit are you got what would reading be off the turnpike off the turnpike uh, Ooh, um, is uh. it right there is it like 302 is it about you're about 35 miles from off the turnpike from because my exit is 333 yeah tr- I, r- I, I want to say I want to say it was
0: 298. the reading exit is actually efforta you get off at efforta and you come up
1: to tw- for him it would have been uh coming up Morgantown. yeah oh yeah, yeah. Dude, More dude, dude, yeah that's
2: dude there's no way there's no way they played two shows that close to each other right. i gotta have to have seen him where yeah, you saw him it was right. it was half empty half empty yeah it, it, was pretty, it was pretty empty i mean i got third row out of it so i didn't really care yeah yeah it was it queen's right open alice cooper was second and sabbath closed it out i thought alice cooper took the show that night he was pretty damn good yeah
1: he was he was really good I mean okay, that, I that's was,
2: where, what's the name of that place what's the name of that place um
1: what was it then it Uh, Was that the Santander? It it, It was still Santander. Yeah, Santander Arena.
2: Yeah, that's where I've seen it then. I'd like to see some more shows there. I liked it. I liked the Allentown one, too.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: PPL and Santander, they're smaller arenas, so the sound seems to be a lot better. I've seen shows at both, and I... Have, you know the the worst show we've seen there was Slayer and Testament and Anthrax. They all fucking sounded like shit.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's probably the sound man they bought brought in for it. I um, we what was I gonna say? We went to um, God damn it! I forgot what I was gonna say. I'm um, remember in a minute. But yeah, we we um, there was another fucking place we went and we saw. Oh, we saw Kiss at the um at, uh, at Penn State. You ever I've, you ever gone up to that arena? I've, I've never been to that one.
0: Oh, is that like Sun?
1: No,
2: it's uh in this. It, uh, it's the it's actually it's right next to the football stadium. Yeah, there, right. It's their gym. We went to that month. We got tickets. We got tickets. Eighty dollars each. Fucking third row.
1: Holy shit.
2: Third row, $80. So we went up in that thing. The craziest thing was, it was one of them things where Kiss was playing all these places they never played. We were so close. We, when, when Gene spit the rag down off the top, there was flying to the top still then with the wire. He fucked nude. It was this girl in front of us was so in love with the towel. I just said, have it. But I had it. I was like, ah, she can just fucking have it. It's got this nasty shit on it. But I would love to have kept it. But um, this guy was in front of us waiting to get in. He's like, I don't have a ticket, man. I don't know what I'm going to get. I said, I've never been in this place. I don't know what to expect. He took a booth. She said, we got some tickets at the door. You want something? He goes, what, how many? He goes, one. She goes, front row center. I got one front row center, $95. <laughs> he got Holy front row at shit. the door. He was, I was the second, we were the second ones in line. He was the very first person. We were second. We went so early. because I didn't know where we were going, but that place, you guys haven't been there, but that place was cool. I'll
0: have to check that out. Yeah. Like they, they say that place in Scranton, is it Scranton? Is it sun something, which uh, is what I thought you were talking about. Like Wilkes-Barre maybe.
2: Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know
0: know that. That's supposed to be a pretty decent place too.
2: Well, I just, I just finally made it down to Wells Fargo. I saw Kiss there too. Man, I don't, I didn't care for the sound in that place.
0: No, I don't like that place either
2: it's a nightmare too we just went me and my wife saw a basketball game there three weeks ago fucking we got tickets like dirt cheap and then we we're like all right then we go there parking with 65 dollars oh, 65 dollars for parking i said oh shit there goes our cheap check t- we got tickets for like 35 bucks and that's cheap bro i don't know if you guys follow sports but that's cheap for sports and uh and then i was like yeah but 65 to go in here we were we were ass close to the thing and it was freezing cold so i was glad because they were like we well, got 10 dollar ones like nine miles that way i was like We'll just park here. <laughs> I,
1: I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. She's going to see um ball beaten ghost coming up down in uh, Camden. She's like, it's right. $40 to park. I was like, holy. What's that? Shit.
2: Is that that, that, p- that pavilion? Yeah.
1: You've
2: been there? I've been there many a times. Yeah. I've been there a couple times myself. I, don't, I that, That's hit or miss for me. I saw Kiss Steph Leopard there. It was good. I saw Motley Crew Kiss there. It's, the sound was horrible. We left. Kiss was sounded so bad. We left
0: well you know what they all sound the same because the the people that made that one made the same one down in manassas and when i lived in virginia i used to go to that one and jiffy lube yeah and i thought the fucking the sound there was terrible too
2: the, the, when i saw i last time i've been there was i saw iron Man on the, 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 the first part of this legacy of the beat store oh yeah they yeah. did where they did where Eagles Dare. bruce dickinson got so lost he stopped singing he left the stage but the whole rest <laughs> of the song finished instrumental and then came out and said oh, you're still here? He said, I thought you would have fucking left it, what I just did. He's like, it sounds fucking terrible, and fucking Steve Russell's on the side just screaming at somebody. But yes, I've had a lot of problems. I saw Queens right there one time, and they had this feedback that just kept going all night. It was always seemed to be on the, the quieter parts, too. Just be like, hey! like you were going to die. It was so fucking crazy.
0: Yeah, I think the last thing I seen there was Pantera and White Zombie. And that was like, <laughs> wait, well, well, obviously, white zombie. I mean, right. and the fucking sound was absolutely awful. was it was it, was that the one time I remember
2: reading the paper was that the one where they ripped the whole lawn seats out, ripped the grass out of the thing.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, they destroyed <laughs> that place.
2: That's why I remember that. You know, I'm not a painter guy either, but I um, remember reading about that. I was like, holy shit. Yeah,
0: it was. It was not. A
2: good I go time. up there sometimes. I still go there. I'm. I'm we're going to. Me, me and my wife got tickets for Jersey for Maiden. And we got tickets for DC at the um, you know, the uh was that Her, Verizon Center, I guess, in DC. Oh, yeah. yeah. We got tickets for that. I've only been there once. I saw I was sitting last row on the floor of stand-up seats. I was last row, it was Journey, REO, Sticks. And I was like, These are the, we were there. I was like, Oh, man, we got four seats, day of the show. We went in there. I was like, the furthest you could be from the stage. I was like, I can't see shit. And then I tried to stand up in the fucking chair. I was like, man, this thing can't hold my weight, man. The whole thing was caving and I was like, This ain't gonna happen.
0: I I just seen Ario speedwagon up at Penn's Peak. That was a good show.
2: I like them. I'm sticks. I'm I'm a sticks fanatic. Journey was Journey was disappointing. Ario was good that night. I've seen Ario bad and good. They were good that night when I saw them. Sticks was good. Journey was just way too many guitar solos. I was like, man, there's has got to do another. When I saw Motley Crue open for Kiss, I was like, dude, Mick Mars does three guitar solos during the set. I'm like, three. Jesus. (laughs) Yes. But they were, but they, but I have to say it. They were better than Kiss that night. Kiss was lousy. Kiss was playing so slow. Detroit Rock City was like twenty seven minutes long. Holy hell! It was like it came on stage. It was like I was like, oh no, it's one of those nights when they're playing that really slow click track. <laughs> they, had that, they, had those, they had the they had the they had the spider legs lighting. You remember that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had that, and it got stuck once, and it was kind of like down on the floor for a minute. But, yeah, we, we ended up leaving.
0: Well, they fucking killed it now in Town. We walked away from that show, and I was Loved it. fucking blown away. Yeah.
2: We, we saw them three times already on the store. We saw them there. We saw them down in Virginia, and we saw them at um, Philly. I yeah. said, I'm, I'm going again. I'm Dude, I'm going to go again if they come back. Fucking I mean, right. we were gonna go to Atlantic City. We were going to go to Atlantic City, but fucking, uh, I, that was those was tickets were like four hundred dollars by the time yeah. I got around to them.
0: Yeah, no, that's not worth the the ride down Atlantic City, and yet end up having to get a fucking hotel room and pay for
1: parking and fuck that. I just seen them twice in three days, so
2: yeah, I was good. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I had a friend. A friend gave me some tickets to one of those things, but I missed it. But
1: I was on, I was <laughs> on the cruise, so that's why I said I seen them twice. Hey, in three hey days. good for you. And they were amazing. <laughs> they played a lot of like
2: deep cuts. Well, I mean, yeah, they didn't play parasite too much on that tour.
1: No, no, they played uh like take it off. They played, uh, uh all yeah. Night. actually the first time they ever played uh she's so European.
2: Wow. Yeah. Paul didn't even remember what album it was from. I love that. That dude, the kiss on NASA, all my favorite minus minus the a songs and minus the last song on the record. I love that record. I love I love Easy As It Seems, She's So European, Naked City, Is That You Shandy, Tomorrow. Those are my tunes. I'm a Paul guy. Love love the Paul songs the most. But I'll but I'll say this to you guys since we're talking kiss. I still think Creatures of the Night's one of the most overrated albums ever made. <laughs> hmm. What? I don't like. I do. I can. I can only get into like four songs on it. I never like War Machine. I don't like. I cannot stand. I love it loud. Cannot. I think it's so boring. You know what? But what? I love. I love the title track. I love. I still love you. Danger. I like. Uh, for a Gene song, I think I'd go Killer. Yeah, it would be good. And then there's stuff. Like, I don't like rock and roll hell, but I don't mind keep it Cummins good. I'm much more a lick it up guy. For me, I'm. I think that album's better. I think it's just better songs for me. Is that your favorite Kiss album? Of all time, Kiss. Uh, i still think it's rock and roll over well really it's kiss alive too but rock and roll over for studio i really love dynasty and a mass. a lot of people don't like that era. i love those songs even i'm not an ace guy but i love save your love and you know hard times those are good ace tunes
1: i try telling everybody you take that disco pop off of dynasty that's
2: a great album not i think the, song, I, not the, I think song, the same thing about a mass The production yeah I don't mind the song. song if you saw she's so European live, is that the one where Gene was kind of not remembering the lyrics either? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was in a little amphitheater. I was in there with like, you know, 600 people,
2: if that. And yeah, he was like, and Paul was laughing. I'm like, you don't remember the shit either. Yeah, you, <laughs> I wish I wish they'd find a way to fucking do it, do a fucking elder on stage, like Broadway thing, just to play the elder straight through and have like a production to it. I, that just sounds like something Kiss could pull off, man.
1: Somebody asked about that. And you've seen all four of them wrinkle their nose, including Doc.
2: So. <laughs> I mean, I know I mean, you see the castle, even get, even get the Chris make piece who was supposed to play him years ago in the movie, the guy from meatballs, the kid from meatballs. That's yep. what they was going to play the boy and uh, <laughs> just make it happen, man. Just let it, just let it roll. I mean, I know they're old as shit and I know Paul's, you know, he's, he's definitely, they're flying in a lot of those vocals, but that man, I, I mean, between the boats, his soul thing and the kiss, I mean, does he ever take a day off from singing? I mean, he, that's what you need to do if you got a problem with your vocals. I don't know. I, I,
1: on the boat, though, he did sound good, but every now and then, you know, he went to reach for that, and it wasn't... It, it wasn't. And I know up. on the
2: boat, I know on the boat, he was definitely singing, because I watched some of the videos. I yeah. mean, you could tell the difference. He's flying in that shit on the tour. Right. Man, that, that, I mean, I, I I think what you should do personally is just let the crowd sing it. Just let the crowd sing it every night. I mean, you're singing it anyway.
0: Right. Well, there. I mean, there was definitely parts, like, you could hear... I know a lot of people talk shit about the backing tracks on this last tour, but... It wasn't very much. I mean, you could tell the couple bits where he
2: was, but... I mean, it, you could tell a lot of it was I was made for loving you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And a lot of times what people are bitching about, you know, oh, he did it in this song, and this song, and this song. That's it, it, Eric Singer back there singing it. Right. Because Eric can actually... actually Eric really sounds
2: like paul stanley when he sings so yeah he's a good he's good he's a good adjustment i'm still i'm still peter chris is still my favorite kiss drummer <laughs> 1975 peter chris is still my favorite
0: uh well i mean you already picked the best kiss album because that's my favorite
2: album rock and all over yes no. absolutely What's yours? What's what? Trust to Kill is great too. I mean, I mean, for me, first album has great songs on it. Production's terrible. Songs are played too slow. Tempo's bad. Hotter than Hell is raw, ugly, and cool. Trust to Kill is fucking cool. Got a lot of popping to it, which I love. Love Kiss Alive One. Destroyer, I think, is very overrated. The songs, yeah. some of them, are good. I, I never was a great expectations or sweet pain kind of guy. Just don't do it. Flaming Youth is okay, but you know, it's it's basically Detroit Rock City and god of thunder and god of thunder is, uh, is better live to me yeah rock and roll over they get it right they go back to the raw edge i think it's cool love guns i love that era i love i saw your love is my favorite kiss song and love gun too so you got two from that album right there and so i love that but it's really again it's so light produced and then you got side four of kiss live two those tracks are pretty raw that, was, recorded. that would have been
1: <laughs> an amazing album if that would have been like four more songs just like that
2: yeah, just let them roll on that, and then within Dynasty, I think it's cool as is. I like it. I think it's. I think it's one of their strongest albums. And Ace is actually good. The only song I'd take off of the whole thing would be the Rolling Stones cover, 2008, which I don't care for. Soul albums, I Paul's my favorite. Ace the second. I'm gonna go Gene third, even though it's not that good. Or Peters. Peters isn't that bad, but it's just too different. Yeah. I love Paul's is the is the best Kiss album it ever was for me. Well, Ace is good, but I don't like it as much as a lot of people do.
0: Well, you know what's crazy? I was watching that Shouted Out Loud documentary actually yesterday, and I didn't right. I didn't realize like their first couple albums didn't sell for shit. No, it was Kiss. All. It was everybody wanted the the live sound, and it was a live that fucking mm-hmm. broke them.
2: Yeah. yeah, it was, it was so definitely alive. I mean, I say, that saved Casablanca, too. They put out the Johnny Carson record back then, uh, the uh, hit greatest things of his show, and it tanked so bad, and they gave him so much money thinking that was going to be a hit. And if Kiss Alive hadn't done good, Casablanca was going out of business. And then they got, then it got hot and disco hit and Donna summer hit and village people hit and all that shit. And then they were set and then bill of coin was rolling. But you know, like I remember the first album that came out when I was, I got a kiss in 77. So the first album I remember coming out as new were the solo records. And then I remember double platinum coming out. And then I remember dynasty. And I really remember when kiss on mass came out and having to post dynasty did too, but having the poster and going to the store and actually buying it like as a brand new kiss album before that, I had to go back and find records that had already come out you know like i was buying just to kill in 77 and things like that but uh that was it was a, it was the era but i'll tell you man just being that age fucking the elder was such a bomb i mean people were just like kiss i'd rather eat shit you know and then creatures of the night they didn't want to give them a chance because of because of uh the elder you know and the killers had come out over in canada but it wasn't in America. nobody knew about that back then. there was no internet so if you didn't live in canada you weren't knowing much about kiss killers then
1: right well lick it up was like their big return and
2: lick it up they took the makeup off mtv i remember all that day when they took the makeup off and shit i love lick it up i think it's a damn good record man it's not bad it's not bad. exciter is my too. i love exciter i love a million to one um, those are some of my favorites exciter is a great opening tune man of of all the
1: non-makeup albums i mean i really do like revenge but over the last couple of years asylum has grown deep on me i don't know why i really love that album um, I don't like Animalize so much because you know, Mark St. John had way too many. The, the two yeah. the hot dog solos and it kind of you know kiss was never really that hot dog solo
2: i like i like half of Animalize, and then i'm out yeah. i'm out after that i don't i i personally for me i can't stand revenge i think it, i hear zz top on it i hear red hot chili peppers on it i hear all the bands of the time for me um, on there yeah i never like what well, the only song I probably end, what's the one song tough love yeah so what is, yeah, that's the only one i could maybe stand but i never i spit just sounds like red hot chili peppers to me i'm like what are they doing and i didn't i did not i think crazy Nights nice is way too too poppy yeah. hot in the shade i mean it's a, i mean it's usually the hits on those records like tears are Fallen or you know those were the, the, the songs i liked from those records as they came out asylum and things like that but i didn't really I go into the deeper songs i'm just like they're they're boring gene songs are especially bad and then i, I couldn't stand fucking carnival of souls or yeah, I, I, you know, that was that was that was you know grungy and then psycho circus i liked the, the song but didn't i mean i put the record on like there's not one song about fucking on here i was like this album no fucking what well, the hell is that about the thing you you know,
1: yeah. The thing that I loved about that was I'm looking at it at the album and I was like, "There's no way this is Peter Chris playing drums." I Not know right. you could there, there was no swing, there was no big band. And- yeah,
2: and then, and then I, I don't know why. Now from there, like I, Monster or Sonic Boom, or there was that one song they had. Was it Hell something? Hell something? Uh, uh, hell or Hallelujah? <laughs> that song I liked. I don't know what was that on Sonic Boom uh, or Monster. I see you don't know either, right? It's like that's how that, that you go a, to the old kiss sounds. I'll tell you every song in order.
1: Right. I, I, they get, they get confusing because they
2: both. I opened, like that song though. I like, like that song.
1: Both Sonic boom and monster opened with uh heavier songs. I can't remember which one was on, which one was modern day Delilah. And the other one was uh hell or hallelujah. I think the hell or hallelujah
2: is one I like modern day Delilah didn't care for. That was I, the single.
1: I really think uh hell or Hall- hallelujah was on Sonic
2: boom. Wow, I think so, too.
1: I, I, I'm getting stumped on a kiss thing here. I, uh,
2: me, too. I mean, I, but that's but that's how little it did anything for me. You go back to early shit. we will we'll go and we'll talk. We'll get into going blind and all those deep cuts. You know,
1: <laughs> one of these days that we should do a show of that. Just me and King and you can you can engineer it. We'll leave Juan at home because Juan will fall asleep. In 10 oh, yeah. Seconds.
0: Juan, Juan absolutely does not like kiss at all. So but w-
1: we'll get King and me and we'll just kiss geek all night. We'll do it. We'll set it up.
0: Oh, no, we definitely have to do it. We'll do that soon because I'm – Kiss was my fucking gay right. drug, too. So,
2: Yeah, yeah me too. As you've seen in the book. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> speaking, of, I'm gonna say, speaking of the book, there may be a reissue of the book, but I may write some more chapters to it now. Oh, good. I was thinking about doing a second book called I'm a Grandpa Now about my grandson because it would be one of those stories where your grand, your grandfather always can tell anything. He can tell dirty jokes. He can tell clean jokes. He can talk about anything he wants because he's grandpa. You know what I'm saying? That's what I was looking at doing it like. But then I was, I was thinking maybe I'll just re-release the first book and then just add – another few chapters to it afterwards. And then, you know, I might rearrange it. One thing I didn't like about the book that it was my idea. So it didn't work was the guy wanted to put things from friends in there and we did, but he kept putting it at the end of each chapter. I think they should all come after the book. Cause you, you, you read a chapter then you had to read like six pages of what people thought about you, you. And then it was back to chapter two. It broke up the story, so to speak.
1: Hmm. Do you, is that a like a, a yes that's coming out or is that a will,
2: well i'm thinking it's it's a it's a pretty damn it's just a matter of when i have to figure it out i have to re i'm gonna basically have to add to it write that out so it could be a while if i really do add to the story because a lot of things have changed me and mark have made peace again and deceased and dave has passed away and you know it's a few years have passed and we've gone through covid and all this shit you know, there's more, there's more tales to tell.
1: Well, if you need to push it, you know, you can always hit us up and say, Hey, uh, can I come on and
2: uh, you know, promote this. Let me we'll all... come on the show and talk about myself. Yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, of course. It's nah, I, definitely, or... I definitely appreciate it.
0: I can write, man. You can come on anytime you want. We could talk for even, but well, we're at two hours and 13 minutes now. I
2: think. We, could probably, we could probably do six. They never, never stop talking here all day. I'm getting ready to <laughs> lock my lock into my football. You guys, sports guys, are now. Yeah, I am. Well, he is. I'm. I'm a soccer guy. Hey, I, I, was, I was i played soccer from when i was fucking seven till i was 15 and dude I, could, I got asked to play go select team in europe I turned it down for fucking sex drugs and rock and roll man though i left behind oh, yeah. I, dude i had trophy after trophy man i fucking played at rfk stadium scored two goals in fucking six minutes they they went and called my mother down from the stands during the game fucking said i was a ringer wanted her to produce my birth certificate my mom's like i carry my son's birth certificate in my purse they took me out of the game they said he's bigger than everybody else here because they were like this guy's a ringer he's too old to be out here playing i was the same age as the kids it's just a big guy and fucking so then i said i said you know what fuck i'm not going back this year i'm not running two mile laps every time we go to practice i'm i'm caught up in metal and girls and that was the end of that but i dude i love soccer i was i was i'm uh, left footed so i started off left wing ended up instead of inside right i was playing inside left and then in my last years i played center for uh center forward one year that i ended up center halfback which to me is the hardest position on the field and I like that one, but I that's that's why I still got some a lot of stamina. I'll being a big guy. I've always cut legs and shit, like always kept my muscle and shit. I'm, I'm a, I got my jock in me. I love my basketball. I Love my football. I go out right now and run a couple miles if I had to.
1: <laughs> who who are your picks for today? Before we wrap this up,
2: I who I want I want the Bengals and I want I want the Niners, but I don't care who go. As long as Tom Brady's out and fucking Aaron Rodgers were out and Dallas was out, I'm cool. <laughs> hey, 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 man. You, uh, you got a Dallas, Dallas guy there? Yeah,
1: I'm a Dallas guy.
2: Ah, never been a Dallas guy. I'm from D.C. First off, Redskins growing up. Uh, my, I mean, I, I've I've lost, and I, you know, I'm a very committed guy to meddle and stuff, but I lost commitment to a team because of free agency, which was years ago. When I saw Art Monk leave the Redskins and end up at the Jets and all that shit, and everybody started just abandoning their teams, which nowadays all they do is move teams. Yeah, I don't yeah. really have, I, I like the Eagles. I'm so happy when when Nick, when, uh, Nick won the fucking one uh, that Nick Foles beat Tom Brady. That was the greatest moment in sports history. You talk about the underdog of all underdogs. But anyway, um, I don't mind the teams that are. I just, uh, Tom Brady rubs me wrong, not because he's a winner, but I just think he was too smug And I do think he was a cheater. Aaron Rodgers, just, 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 just an asshole a
1: smug, just, he's, ass, he's just an
2: asshole. And Dallas is Dallas. <laughs> I have a couple like less loves Dallas. But I, when I told, I told my buddy Lou, we were watching the game. He's like, man, they just blew it. I'm like, dude, they just don't show up. I was like, I told him if they don't win the Super Bowl this year with what they have on offense, they don't deserve to be allowed to play next year. Right. I was like, dude, they got so much. I mean, I would be you know mm-hmm. what the Eagles would do with those receivers. We got oh nobody, God.
1: man. Oh God. See, and here's the funny thing of me being a Cowboys fan. I don't dislike the Eagles. I actually, my biggest hater team is Green Bay, of course. San Francisco, because growing up, every you know, everybody was a San Francisco fan. Yeah. Um, pretty much like the NFC East, other than the Rams. I do like the Cardinals a little bit, but yeah, you, and Tampa, you know, with Tom. Uh, um, yeah. Um, New England, of course, because I'm sick of CNN.
2: Yeah, no, yeah, them, them Belichick. It, that's they're cheaters. I don't care my since I've seen enough about another cheaters, and it was before the Eagles. Right, I'm not even because of that. I'm, 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 I like to see the Bengals. I'll tell you why. I'm not the world's biggest Bengals fan, but I, they're the only team left that's never won it. Right, right, right. But I would, I mean, if Kansas City goes, that's fine. I like my homes. I would, I really wanted Buffalo to win it all this year. I had Buffalo last week. They, that, that, I was like, if you can't stop somebody for 13 seconds, you don't deserve to continue on. So that was just bad play on their part. But if what's left, I'd go Bengals. But whom I, if I, you ask me, money it's going to be the Chiefs, and I think I really still think the Niners are going to upset the Rams. I'm, I'm taking uh Cincinnati and the Rams. Okay. I think uh, I, yeah, if I, if I'm wrong, I'm going to be, I think, I think Kansas City is going to win. That one, though. I know. Kansas Cincinnati already beat them once. So I think Kansas City is going to win that. And I think the Rams have lost to the diners three years in a row, six times in a row. So they may be time for one, but I'm, it, it, I'm, I'm cool with whatever's there.
1: Right. But, uh, so let's uh let's wrap this up, you know, because you got football to get to. I got football yeah. to get to. Yeah,
2: we went from metal to football. As long as we don't, as long as we're not back to Trey as we're doing okay. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> well, we'll we'll set up the the kiss thing because I would love to do a whole kiss episode with you.
2: Yeah, we'll figure out some time here. I am going to get a little busy here, but we'll figure something out. I I also I know I'm doing a I know I'm doing a kiss pod thing with. Have you seen the thing I do the metallurgy thing I do on uh, Oh yeah, you just the, did Iron YouTube with and... those guys. Yeah. We just did main ones. He I to do a. Kiss one but i can do more than one kiss once i it into a voivod one i'll do 12 of them we'll do <laughs> you and me will do the, this one and we'll do that one but yeah we're going to be doing that one too just starting to get a little busy but we can make it happen you know i guess it doesn't matter when we when we is it all it does it you tape it and run it how does this work oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no
1: this isn't live we just we record it and, and take out like my burping and
2: you know right heavy breathing oh there you go well, yeah we can we can tape it anytime then and do it back and find the time for that because right. right now before but as so long until the weather breaks i'm kind of like I'm low key. We're gonna have. We're gonna try to do a jam next weekend, and then I'll be home for the Super Bowl. But other than that, till we get here to March, when we go down to play Atlanta, I'll be around. So if you want to just say, "Hey, gang, what about you know Wednesday, whatever?" I don't know your work schedule and shit, you know. But whatever. Yeah, wherever
0: you want to do, we we can do, we can do evenings. Like yeah. me and Big, me and Big Nose can do whatever. Right. Okay.
2: But yeah, we'll make it. will definitely make it work for sure, brothers. And I definitely appreciate all the support, man. And you know, just be safe out there. I don't know what the hell's going on, and. We'll, y- we'll yick yick soon. We'll, t- we'll yap again soon. <laughs> yeah, all righty.
0: Well, hopefully we can catch a, a live show soon.
2: Yeah, I'll keep you in the loop. When we announce that stuff, I think there will be a Philly there will, will, will be a Philly date Um, will be in June when we, when we go on tour. So I'll let you know. I think it's going to be right down in Philly. And, and It's a little ways for you, but I, I think that'd be the closest stop. I think other than that, we'd get, yeah, it's nowhere. I think Ohio is the next closest stop. Oh, so. Well, like
0: I said, we wanted to catch you guys in Abominog in Philly, and it just didn't work out for any of us for – that was a crazy
2: real quick that was a crazy show there was a lot of crazy people there they it was outdoors and they had the sand on the ground and and it was the two local bands played and then abominog played when was playing this girl just started like getting on the sand and rubbing it all over and like eating it chris like got some crazy motherfuckers up here right and then we came up there and they had all these christmas lights like they weren't christmas it wasn't christmas it was christmas lights they were all over the thing and people were just going fucking insane from start to finish and i was like who the hell are these people? Because I know Philly pretty good. I have not those people I hadn't seen some I had. We had some of our regulars come out and stuff. But it was just these crazy bunch of people. And they were they couldn't have been any more supportive of us. They were fucking great, man. It was it was a cool place. I don't even know what it was called, but it was out. It was a little outdoor thing, and it had a bar in there. And you said to wear the mask in the bar. Other than that, you're outside. You were wide open. It had a taco truck in there and shit, and, and you know people were smoking their weed and drinking their beer, and everything was fine. man.
0: yeah, Philly's good time. There's, I've never been to a show in Philly that wasn't a good time
2: i will definitely let you know about this, you know, and you'll, it, there'll be some, there'll be some surprises when you see who we're going with. I can't say anything now, but it'll be good. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I'll talk to you guys, man. Take care and enjoy the day, guys. Right, you Thanks, too. Thanks,
0: King. You take it easy. You
2: Thank you. You too, okay. guys.
0: Bye bye.